They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye 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 what a week it's been, eh? The wow. running awards. Wow, that's incredible. So, my name's Jody Rainsford, and this is David Hellard, and we are Bad Boy Running Podcast, and we're talking about the running awards, London Marathon, and various other things today. Indeed, indeed. Very well done there, Jody. Well, uh, we're see, look, I'm practicing, practicing, and getting a little bit more professional each time, and then we'll all forget it completely and have a light discussion about walruses and DVDs or something. Tell me about walrus DVDs. I don't know why that came to mind. I was trying to think. <laughs> of, I was trying to think of documentaries on Netflix, and all of a sudden, like um, David Attenborough popped up in my mind. I don't know why. In fact, there's uh, talking about. It's made me think of a documentary I saw last night. Really good. Where and also a controversy where the BBC supposedly have been commissioning tribespeople to create these fictional worlds that are completely untrue. They they built this house twenty three meters above the ground, and apparently it's it's all BS. Doesn't exist. Um, they just got them to do it. Television, baby. Television. Television. That's podcasting, baby. That's podcasting, baby. There is no running awards. There is, there is no, no London, London marathon. There is no David Hallard or Jody Rainsford. <laughs> But uh, did you recover okay for the running awards? Uh, did we have a discussion after the Brighton Marathon where I said that my legs hurt like I'd run my first marathon because it because of the road thing? Yeah, I was I was at, by by Thursday I was absolutely fine. Okay, um, when the running awards were, yeah, yeah, I was I was, I was absolutely fine. Um, well, I didn't mean by Thursday. I meant by Friday morning, the night after the the boozing. Oh, you're talking about that recovery? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't drink. I didn't drink that much, really. I tried to, but I didn't. I didn't really drink that much. Ah, I'm surprised. In fact, so if uh, I drank everything the... there was, but it didn't feel like I drank much at all. Well, I think the the thing you didn't do that you potentially tactically should have done. So I was presenting backstage, which meant uh, Briggsie um, found her way into the backstage and ended up slumped in a chair next to a fridge with sh- free champagne in. Which is probably why she was, well, a lot drunker than we were. Um, was she? Yeah, I mean, she was hammered. She was, um, she was on great form. But um, did any stories to tell from the awards? Uh, not really. We got up on stage, cheated like you told us to do, um, at Mike <laughs> Bushall. <laughs> so <laughs> there's an important thing to remember about Mike Bushall. <clears throat> and, and, and we all joke about Mike Bushall and stuff. And, um, yeah, we talk about, yeah, what a legend and stuff like that. But the thing to remember about Mike Bushell is that the reality of Mike Bushell is never as funny as the idea of Mike <laughs> Bushell. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because he's just not funny, is he? It's just, he's so awkward on stage. It's so painful. 
He's lovely. He is absolutely lovely. But he's like cracking jokes and he's making all sorts of weird. He's referencing his own. You know, better not come too close to the front of the stage. Nice, nice. Wait, wait, line. wait for two seconds while people acknowledge. Oh, uh, it was. But it was good. Yeah, you told it. You said right when it comes to the 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 stupid um, contest. Make sure that you get up on stage um, and cheat. And we did. But it became really, really obvious we were cheating. <laughs> it was so obvious. Mene, Mene quit very, very early on. Oh, he's, he's worried about the stigma, you see. Oh, really? he's, he's, he was representing the whole uh, non-white. <laughs> the, the whole world, he's non-white, essentially. Because he's the only non-white guy there. <laughs> what was, one night it, wasn't, what, it wasn't the most diverse of awards, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, no. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the but, I mean, what, how are people reacting to your your fragrant cheating? Oh, the, the, I, I, in the end, I just don't think they care. We got the guys from Endure Twenty Four to uh, cheat as well, so they came up on stage <laughs> on stage as well, cheating. But the <laughs> so, so it's essentially the whole table went up so, on stage. Yeah, well, yeah, so it was good. It was good in the sense that we um, uh, we were encouraging other people to cheat, and that's really what the running awards should be about. <laughs> Um, and how were Park Run reacting to your cheating? Um, oh, well, do you know what Park? That's a very, very interesting uh, conversation because we spoke to different Park Run. So, well, I don't really know how to say this or what to say about <laughs> this. But we, yeah, you started striking conversations with people, and the problem with the running awards is that it's full of runners. Um, yeah, in the sense that there there are people that do take it very seriously. And um, the parkrun people were no exception. Uh, Ali made a joke. It, it just was a joke to the parkrun thing. And I think they took it, they probably took it quite seriously because she said it in quite an aggressive manner that didn't look like a joke. But she was asking them why is it called, you know, uh, uh, parkrun instead of park race. And she just ended up in like an argument with someone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, then, and then I ended up having a chat with someone who just was equally as... Um, it just wasn't. Well, it wasn't really fun. I was just. We were just sort of joking around, and yeah. it just it got all defensive and stuff. And it just, yeah, it was nothing. None of us. I, I said this thing. I said, right, okay, so, um, uh, yeah, how much like? I just I was this general question. Like, so, what? Well, yeah, what other competition have you got? Like, how many other people? Like, when you move into other territories, because this guy was the responsible. <laughs> I said, when you move into other territories, he's and stuff, fishing out. Yeah, when you're like expanding globally and stuff, you must come across other people that are doing something similar. You know. You know, like a timed, a free timed run in a park is pretty, it's pretty easy thing to run. He goes, no. I'm like, what? He goes, no. I'm like, what? There's not a, you've never come across a single instance in the whole of the world where someone else is doing a free timed run in a park. No. I'm like, you must have done. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like the, the idea was around before park run, like not like park run made the idea up and they have, and we know for a fact other people have been trying things similar to that as well in different parts of the world. Where part one happened. So I mean, the question was going, was like, do you then meet up with the people who have already done this in order to expand quicker? Because that makes more sense, doesn't it? He's like, no. I'm like, what? You're saying no to everything. I'm like, but why? He's like, they just don't have the technology. What? A park and a timer. They don't have the technology. And it was just, it was like that. And I'm like, I don't understand why you, you're... It was just very, they were very difficult to talk to. I remember the guy that we talked to in Parkrun, where you mentioned that thing about Runner's World. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You go, Runner's World. And he goes, oh, the comic. 
Yeah, they're Ooh, really bitter about run as well, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, it's quite it's quite worth it for that though. Which to me, um, yeah, I mean, I love run as well more and more each day. <laughs> well, I just think if you're if you're ever in an argument, you should always be uh, magnanimous about everything, about victory, about loss, about. Because it's that's how you win yeah. the argument yeah. is by being just being overly complimentary about them. Oh, they're so wonderful! They're so they've great! Given they're us, so... Yeah, they've given us loads of press by doing it. It's discouraged other cheaters. You know, they're obviously the biggest running mag in the country and the world. You know, it's great for them. You know, they've, yeah, and they've probably and Runners World have probably given them more you know more press than anything else. They've probably helped launch Parkrun in a way that you know wouldn't have been possible before. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um I I had a so Mark was I I entered the bar and Mark was in a deep discussion with one of the half uh, marathon organizers and Mark thinks I'm a very very good runner without realizing that like I'm a good runner at rat race but not on a national level. <laughs> so suddenly <laughs> enter this conversation like, "Oh, what's your half marathon time, mate?" Like, "What?" Yeah, mate, what's your half marathon time? Like, I know people who can do 64 minutes. Like, um, yeah, it's not that. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's like, well, your mate says you're an amazing runner. I'm like, I'm all right. Uh, well, what's your half marathon time? Like, uh, I, I haven't run. But you're still yeah, at a bar. Like, yeah, in, the, in the running awards. Really Jesus. awkward. Just really weird as well. Cause like, I, I haven't run a half properly for years, but it's not particularly fast. So, well, mate, you know, but, but it's, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's getting people who aren't used to fun. Yeah, very drunk, and then yeah. just seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah. But, but you did, you did, you look great. I love what you were wearing, and I love the fact that they paid for it. Yeah, I was wearing an Oppo suit, um, which they are great in general. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd said that's a great thing. The running awards are really up for fun and just want entertainment and everyone to have a good time and and in, in that some of the organizer in previous years he's booked t- um is it tape boy tape deck boy oh yeah cassette boy and cassette boy what am i on about cassette boy and he was amazing but everyone hated it and so now they just book a terrible cheesy D- a dj and, and like everything they want to do which is really cool um they then decide oh yeah it's runners it's runners we've got to <laughs> There's one thing, though, I didn't understand about the, the whole event. Mm. And it's this. Why the hell were we there? Um, that is, that's a good question. I think the same of myself <laughs> as well. Basically, you're there because I'm there. And I'm not <laughs> sure why I'm there either. <laughs> I'm presenting something backstage. Um, I think it's because the sponsors like it. But um, other than that, but they seem very happy with us being there. And I'm very happy with them being happy with us being there. And uh, I mean, if you think you're questioning why you're there, imagine if you're Mene. <laughs> Mene's just... <laughs> you don't even run. Mene's there on the basis that last year, on the day, he was like, what are you up to tonight? And I said, come to the running awards. <laughs> so he's in every year now. He's kind of a thing. So uh, he'll probably be on the... On the uh, on the agenda next year of like who to meet and look forward to the running and <laughs> meet Mene again next year. The thing is, it's so funny. Like, um, there are so many, there are so many awards, aren't there? Yeah. There are so many awards. Um, and 
yeah, it's interesting. Like, <laughs> like some of them are hilarious. Uh, like the ones where, what's it called? Wearable technology. And what comes up? It's like, what's it called? There's 20 in the category and all of them are Garmin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Garmin one watch against Garmin another watch against yes. Garmin. Yeah, I mean there are some categories where it's going to be like best marathon, London marathon. London. <laughs> <laughs> the weekend of the London marathon, the London marathon in town because the running awards are attached to the London marathon. Who's going to win? Oh yeah, London marathon. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean it's the <clears> thing is it, it's something that is it's good that it happens and um, it is a great event. In many ways, uh, but as you say, it's, it's it needs runners. more do badders. That's the thing. It needs more more do badders in there. That's the that, that's fundamentally the, uh, the the gist of it. It does indeed, and, and they they had a, a bloggers forum upstairs, and we'd invited Danny along. And said he should go, but he ended up going home before they were allowed downstairs. Cause he was just so bored. He's like, <laughs> oh, God, blah. It's just, oh, the problem blah, with blogging forums. <laughs> Yeah, running bloggers. <laughs> they're running. Well, and bloggers. That's the that's the worst and combination. Bloggers. But well. yeah, but not only was it the running awards, but it was also London Marathon, no, no, London no. Marathon Expo, and Boston Marathon Expo all in one week. No, 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 no. Before that, you're forgetting because there was a big event after the running awards, the day after the running awards, because we had to get up the next day. And again, it was another do better event. Oh wait! Did we? Did we? What? What? I I completely. No, you weren't there. You didn't go. It what was happened? The, it was the Star Wars: The Void VR experience where G Law and Deepor were both seen together. Wow! So what was that? It's it's too many acronyms. <laughs> you know the uh, the Star Wars like virtual reality thing. Have you done it yet? No, no, no. So um so uh, Ali organized uh, she'd done it before at um at Shepherd's Bush which is why all the Shepherd's Bush compliments were coming from. Ah oh, okay. Because it, it was at Stratford so we were trying to confuse people as to say it was at Shepherd's Bush. So she organized so basically what it is is uh, there's a virtual reality thing called um uh, Star Wars at the Void and um you're stormtroopers and it's mm. a VR experience for like 10 minutes or whatever. And she organized it for a load of do banners we were going to go along do it as teams. And then go and have some drinks and stuff. And it was brilliant. It was really good. And G, what's it called? Uh, so yeah, yeah, G-Law came along and Deepaw came along as well. So two triathletes. And it's like the biggest concentration of triathletes we've had in a while. <laughs> what actually happens? What actually happens? So you go into, you go into the, um, I'm doing an advert here for Disney and I don't mean to be doing an advert for Disney, but it was really good for, for one thing and one thing only, which I'll explain. So you, you go in, you put these, there's like a huge amount of admin for, for what it essentially is, but you put like these headsets on, you put these packs on, and then you go in teams of four. Um, uh, Lou was supposed to be coming, but she couldn't because, uh, uh, she had a problem. So it was just three of us. So me, Matt Simpson, G-Law in the team, we go to, and then you go into a room. So you put these things down, you go into a room, just like a norm, you know, sort of a room with nothing in it. And then you put your headsets on and all of a sudden, you know, uh, like Matt turns into a, a stormtrooper and then G Law, you know, next to me, you look at him and he turns into a stormtrooper and you're all stormtroopers. Then, then the whole, you know, uh, everything turns into a, a ship and like, yeah, what's it called? K2 is talking it to you and stuff like that. And then you're, you're on the start of a mission and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And so like doors open and you walk through them. So you're moving around the space. And of course it all feels like, you know, you're, you're on a ship or yeah. things like that. You know, you're on a lava planet. So you walk onto a platform and of course, you're not on a platform. 
but it looks like it's miles down, you know, either side. So you're still sort of crouching in the middle. You think, <laughs> and, it, and you can feel the heat of the lava and everything. It was brilliant. It was oh, really, wow. really good. But the best part of it was literally the, as soon as Matt and I got hold of guns. So we, you go into a thing and there's some guns. So Matt goes and grabs a gun. Um, <laughs> and then I go and grab a gun and I go to pass G Law a gun. And before we grab it, I pull it back and we start blasting him straight away. So you're supposed to be like on a secret mission. And I tell you what, I don't think two people could have shot another teammate as much as we shot uh, a G-Law. Wait, so were you meant to be shooting G-Law? No, not at all. The thing is, every time it shoots, your body pack rumbles and stuff. So, So you looked, I wish that they'd record a video of your experience in this. You could watch it because what you do, so you go around different bits and you're shoot, you're shooting at stormtroopers and you're shooting at other things as well because you're on a mission or whatever. And so, like, we'd all be shooting at something to knock it out of the sky. And then literally the second, like, without even talking to Matt, with the second that we've killed all the enemy, we'd turn straight back onto G-Law and start shooting him again. <laughs> and he's got all these sparks coming off him. And he's going, I was standing there and I thought, oh, why? Who's still shooting at me? And literally, we'd be just blasting him as much as possible. It was, it was utterly brilliant. Quality. It and, was, uh, it was really good. Oh, amazing. Well, I was potentially going to go to that and just completely forgot. So, um. You should do. It's really oh. good. It's really good. I mean, it's not quite fun. If, do you think even if you're not a Star Wars fan? Um, I, I don't think many people have experienced VR like it. Not with all the, you know, with, with everything that goes with it. It was, it was really good. Um, it, you know, it's over too quickly as usual. But um, yeah. I remember going to an experience with not a VR thing ages ago. Like the Trocadero used to have, um, you know, Piccadilly Circus used to have this thing. And it was an alien experience. But it used to be a, someone dressed up as an alien. Um, it was brilliant. But the thing is, if you ever stood your ground and didn't run away from it, I just wondered what the actor would do at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> they would obviously be chasing you and everyone would run and stuff like that. But yeah, it was really good. Oh, um, quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It was good. Do balance meeting up. Nice one, Ali. Another one. Another another um, thing organised. Well, that makes sense why Ali, when uh, when I congratulated her on her performance on Sunday, said given her drinking on Thursday, she also replied, well, actually it was also my drinking on friday (laughs) uh, (laughs) sounds like they got quite out of hand as well yeah yeah it was great it was really good um so yeah so like that's uh that leads us up to london marathon i think i had the best london marathon experience Uh, that wouldn't be hard i would no it wouldn't would it i um, why why do you think you have more so than kipchoge most, um, well, definitely better than Kipchoge. Most people, um, of course, you, you always have that idea of like, um, FOMO, don't you? When you watch another yeah. marathon, you're not doing it and everything. And normally you wake up and you, you've got to watch all the elites and stuff like that. Like this year was, was great as a, as a TV spectator. But I just lay in bed for until 12. It was amazing. Duvet and, over me. Laying and in bed your 12. children let you do that. Absolutely. I deserved it. How do you figure that? I absolutely deserved it. Um, she's, she's, going, she's going, deserved what? Um, were they aware of your gran or something? The what? Were they aware of your gran or something? No, 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 no. It was, it was, it was I, you know, I had a cup of tea watching, watching it. I, the, um, it was brilliant to watch this year. It really was. I wasn't, re- last year I wasn't really, I'm, generally I'm not really interested in the elites and stuff, but mm. it's so true. Like having like Mo Farah involved makes such a difference. Um, 
regardless yeah. of regardless of you know how he does or whatever, but he just adds something else to it. And the like, skin in the game suddenly, don't absolutely. You? I like Brett Foster. He's like he is like a troll with a with a microphone. He just well, what was he saying? Oh, he's just he's just coming. He, I, do they? I don't know whether this is true. Do they have um, the commentary out loud on? Um, on speakers at the end of the marathon that they're, they're when they're talking it over or is there something different i can't remember it's so long since i've done london i don't know actually i don't think you hear any i don't no. think the voice of god's bellowing out okay at you. okay that's fine it's just the way that you know the way that he talks about people who you know brilliant brilliant runners and he just completely does them down by talking about all the mistakes they've made and you're like, <laughs> okay that's fine and everything but he just he just relentlessly at it at it and like what's it called paula Wagner can't get a word in edgeways she's going well you know you need to you know, take into account that that has been particularly difficult or this has been to particularly it's going oh totally you know, a complete failure completely blown i'm like whoa calm down was um, he slating Mo then? It wasn't slating Mo. I remember the first year Mo ran, he was totally slating Mo, wasn't it? Did yeah. You, did you see that? But it was, um, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Mary Katani? Katani. Mary Katani. Talking about what a, you know, what a, what a mess that was. I'm like, but, I mean, you know, we're talking about this. The, the, the women's race was brilliant. The fact that they went out for, um, you know, marathon, what's it called? Record pace. Yeah. And um, look really, really strong. Marathon record pace, and of course they both blew up completely. Um, and um, yeah, that that was brilliant. But it was just what I thought was amazing about that race is when because for the first year they're they're now using male paces. So in the past they've run with males, um, yeah. but this was when I thought they'd use male paces. In my head, I thought there'd be a, a couple of guys who would run at the front. But there were just as many men as women. It was really weird. It was really confusing as well. Especially because when he looked at the front, the first four or five people uh, right at the start were all the guys. Yeah. And then the, the women were tucked behind them. I didn't know that was because of the wind or just because all of the top five women had their own personal pacer who then obviously was ahead of them because they were pacing them. Yeah. But it just made it a really impersonal start because you couldn't really see he was running and... Um, yeah, it's quite strange. Um, I I wanted to ask you about this actually, and I thought about this um, and made a note in my mind to ask you about this in the podcast. So mm. um, at one point, um, so they kept talking about how the paces. So as, as a pacer, they have to keep dead on the pace, don't they? Mm. And um, Paula Radcliffe and, um, and Brendan Foster were talking about how the pacers shouldn't be so far ahead of Katani. Um, but I was thinking, well, but isn't that their job? I mean, or if she is falling, should they come back? Away? What, what, as a pacer, what do you do in that situation? Surely they're told to. Yeah, I mean, I, we're different though because we we don't pace people; we pace the time. Yeah, and I I've no idea what those paces are told because it, it might be that they're told you have to run because they've probably got a contract specifying something, but it might be they're told you have to run this pace until mile. 18 and then you drop out or it might be because in reality what you want the pacer for is to get you as close to the time as possible and if that's the case then you run marathon pace unless they're not with you and then you try and get them to keep up with you for as long as possible 
but it might just be that either the pacers they got the wrong contracts or they just weren't that great pacers or there's a misunderstanding and they said you've you run this pace and they ran the pace yeah so um because at one point then um when uh, vivian um can't remember if i'm saying the name chariots um mm. she overtook katani and then so the pacers went with her they basically mm. then paced her to the end which was really weird, wasn't it? Well, because well, I just think it, oh, I don't know what the etiquette is. How does this yeah. work? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially because there were so many paces at the beginning that it almost suggested that each person had their own specific pacer. Yeah, because I mean, I know. I know why were there eight paces if if it was just for the fastest person? Because Katani had a pacer who didn't make it in time or something because it was because uh, of a visa issue. I think it was that, and then mm. but he did make it, uh, but he was then pacing someone else, and so the London Marathon replaced them with one of their own pacers. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the whether it, because it's a London Marathon pacer, they're saying right stick with whoever's most likely to come closest to the time or or so i don't know it was just i was just i was completely confused by it you know sometimes when you watch those cycling events in um in the olympics that you have no idea you know <laughs> what, what the rules are it was like that i was thinking oh this is interesting because the kieran is it the kieran around the yeah it's the kieran ride, exactly yeah. like you're like i have no idea what's going on yeah but you know you look at it and you just think oh, you're so disloyal You've just left yeah. her behind. You've just ditched her, and now you're running. Or oh, you try and try and put all this drama over the top of it. That clearly doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, emotionally, it must be so much harder than someone overtaking you. Is suddenly <laughs> your pace The people you've been relying on are then stabbing you in the back for this new person. <laughs> it seems like it. I mean, I don't, know how, I don't know how professional you are and how much you're used to it, but still, that's got to hurt somehow, hasn't it? It'd be great if the crowd changed as well. They're cheering, and as soon as you're second, they're like, boom! <laughs> the switch allegiance. <laughs> I love that, and then yeah, and then there was a, there was um uh yeah Mo's race and everything, which was brilliant simply for the fact that he kept buggering up his uh, his water. Did he do it more than once? Oh my god, it was just it was insane, and it was just proper comedy. It's like you know sometimes if you're holding like a ping pong ball and you drop it and then you go to pick it up, you can't quite <laughs> pick it up, and it bounces all over the place and it infuriates you. It was like that. And then he was like running out to the um, to the what's it called um, having a go at the people on the um, on the bikes in order to tell them to make sure at the next water station they've got it sorted and stuff. And it was yeah. just he was picking up the wrong things and it was oh and he was like he was so far behind each time as a result of it he had to stop and it was oh, it was totally disastrous. And what I loved is that when he finished instead of going you've got you know what's it called new British time. Um, you know, this is a you know obviously a great marathon time for yourself like that. They just kept showing him clips of him fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> and how did he respond to and it? And they're going, oh, you know, when you get used to this, did you not practice this? They're asking him these questions and stuff. And he's going, well, you know, I, if some of them were more interested in taking a photo of me than making sure my bottle was ready. And so, yeah. you know, in that situation, I'm like, well, yeah, fair enough and everything. Um, but yeah, it was just. Do you funny. think it actually did it have a big impact on the race? Do you think? I'm, I'm ultimately not sure in the end. But it, and he kept saying, that, you know, because they kept saying, oh, he's wasting so much energy doing all of this. That I'm not sure it, it affected him that much at all. But um, 
Yeah. It's the, emotional they stress. Went, they went at yeah. like a blistering pace. That's the thing that really affected him. They went at a blistering pace and he's mm. used to just keeping up with the pack. He he would never have like dropped behind and stuck to his pace and and done mm. that. But they went they went out so hard. What I love though is that at the end, um, you know, it's great. Um they all come across the line and everything, and like Mo is just in pieces, lying down, things like that. And then the other people come strolling in, literally look as though like they haven't broken into a sweat at all. It's just, it's incredible. It, it's really good though to see Mo doing something different, like yeah. going through the the you know the learning of it as well, and to see him in a different environment. And that's really, he's made himself really vulnerable. And it doesn't help when people like Brendan Foster are just constantly going on at you, but. It's really good. To, it's really great to watch. It's really, I think, it's really inspiring to watch him just, you know, get used to something completely new. And, and to put it in context as well, he came third <laughs> against the best lineup you know, in the world, and yeah. the guy who was behind him was Bekele, yeah. who was the five thousand, is the five thousand and ten thousand meter world record holder. You know, which which Mo has dominated, but never been his times. And yeah, he's he's stepped up, and you know, second attempt in earnest at the marathon, he's he's ahead of him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's I I I feel like I should go back and watch it now. I'm quite intrigued to actually see, because I I think those little things like that have a massive impact on on, on your rhythm. Well. At, the the one thing that they the I mean obviously Brendan Foster and Paul Record picked up on this, but they said that every time that they happened, he they reckoned that they the front group picked up the pace slightly, mm. so that he had to do a little bit of extra work to 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 get back in touch with them again. Um, so did he get his bottles in the end? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's difficult to tell the way that he was looking. Just just look him online. He's a total. It's like British. Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Team GB uh, relay. Well, oh, relay okay. used to be. Yeah, oh, it was just it was it was picking up the wrong balls from the wrong um, tables, uh, throwing it back, knocking stuff off. Oh, it's just in the scheme oh. of things, it's not that big a deal. But I imagine you know when you're in that group and it's that hot and and everything else that goes with. I mean, the heat mustn't have been much of an issue, but um, but it's never been seen before. I mean, I've never seen anyone have an issue have an issue with it. No, it's just what they go to. Did you not practice it? Yeah, yeah, I did practice it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you something. Talking about that, this year in London, yeah. there were two cup stops, oh, really? and it was it was horrible, yeah. horrible. I'm, I'm almost tempted to do a petition because, but basically, I'm happy to take cups as water for for water when the elite take cups, and the elite will never take cups because it's too bloody hard to drink when oh, you're running is, yeah. from cups. It's impossible to do it properly. Unless you stop and either I want London to either say we don't give a shit about your times because they, they clearly don't care about club runners or the kind of sub elite or um, to keep bottles because they're I think they're trying to bring cups in. I don't know why, whether it's because of environmental pressure or money. Um, cause I can't imagine London actually caring that much about environmental things unless it's having negative impact on their, their finances, um, in some ways I wouldn't have thought, but yeah, if, if London starts having cups, it's just so tricky to, to, to drink from. And if they'd have had cups 
for the whole, for the whole way round, it, it, so many more people would be having an issue with the uh, hypothermia. Yeah. Not hypothermia with uh, heat stroke. Yeah. But um, yeah, talking about the heat, though, I mean, f- from watching it at home, how were people reacting to it? I don't know. It didn't look too. Do you know what? It didn't look too bad. Um, it looked hot. Like they said all this thing. Like, don't don't wear any because there was warnings well before. So they said, mm. you know, don't uh, don't go for PBs. This is not the right environment to do it. Don't wear costumes, stuff like that. Yeah, it looks like most people ignored all of that. <laughs> well, I, th- I think actually most people. If if thing is, it, most people have trained for a big. PB or a big marker or a big target. Yeah. And the so I was at the expo on Thursday and um was on the new balance stand answering pacing questions. People were so nervous about the heat. And the the general advice had been just just take your your um your, your aims back by five minutes or so but the trouble is if you're going for sub three if you're going for a uh, good for age all these things five minutes could be the minutes could be the difference between a pb or not a pb or qualification not a qualification not a qualification and most runners would take a 10 percent chance of getting a pb or qualification or the target over a 90 percent with a 90 percent fail rate than a hundred percent chance at five minutes slower, because five minutes is if you're the you know if you're fit and at the top end, is 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 a lot of time. Yeah. So I've I've never run through a marathon where we've had to dodge so many people the whole way through. Oh, really? It was ridiculous, and I'm just going on my phone now to try and find some stats they've posted because they. Um, this is the good for age stats. So good for age is um, sub three now. They've, and that's another controversy. They've changed it again. It was 305. They've upped it a couple of weeks ago to sub three now for good for age for London, which means all those people who over the past year have been targeting a 305 time and have got it now no longer qualify for London automatically. But um, that's a, that's a side. So, just looking through the, the good for age, there were um, 1,100 people in 20, 2017 qualified in sub three. This year, only 700 did. In the 305 for 40 to 45 category, 504 qualified last year. In that time, only 277, so half. Uh, most of the categories, it's looking like approximately only half the people managed to get the times of last year. Oh, really? And that's where I, I think it, it's it's the people who are the, at their fittest, it's the people who are running their hardest, who are closest to PBs. They're the ones who I think were affected yesterday. But pacing 315, my God, it was... I, I got to mile 16. I didn't have any, well, not 16, maybe 18 and a half. I didn't have anyone with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Running by myself. How many did you start off with? Uh, it's hard to, you never really know because you kind of looking back and you don't know which ones are green and yeah. probably 80. Wow. But of the, of the paces, none of the three hour paces finished. None of the pa- none of the three hour paces finished. Uh, well, they, well, they, as in they, they took their flags off and jogged in, 
Um, none of them finished in under three hours. I don't know this for sure, but from what others told me, I was the only person to finish 3.15. So you're looking at the top six paces, no one getting, so only one person getting in time, which is crazy. But it was so hard out there because um, they had a new system, which uh, it was great for me as a green start. So green start is the smallest start. So everyone just starts. Uh, you got your pens and you go. The other part starts had staggered starts. So if you were in pen one, which is if you're not the championship start, it means you're approximately 245 to three, you go. The next pen are held until everyone's gone and they then start you off again with a proper start, not just following on from the previous one. So there's a gap between you. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it's, it's great in theory, uh, because it means you've got all that space in front of you when you start. And so if you're someone who's a bit quicker than you'd anticipated and therefore you're in the wrong pen, potentially you're not, ha- you're not, you don't have this huge glut of people at the start in front of you. Yeah. The trouble is though, that, um, or for one, green were going because they're smaller just straight off and so you are having people finishing i think i saw the the four hour 15 green pacer come in before the four hour red pacer right but they were on pace because they'd set off so much earlier right but the um so there were all these weird um glugs where you'd have slower groups so faster groups running into slower groups but then because so many people were um hitting the wall losing pace normally you get a few dropouts but in general people slow down a bit you might get a slight bit of walking around 20 to 20 18 to 21 um that's slightly wider and then when you come into the narrower streets heading into um into westminster before tower where you've only got one side of the road there's a bit of space but because so many people were were dropping out were walking were just being decimated you were having to weave through bodies the whole time yeah and at water stops as well because you're told to walk on the outside or you're i think instinctively you walk on the outside what do you then get to water stations where people are panicking because they're already dehydrated and they're worried they're not going to get water that's where all the walkers are and so suddenly everyone's flying in all directions and uh, that's one of the reasons why the sub three guys went down he got tripped twice uh, i got caught quite a few times but but managed to stay um upright but it was it was just a crazy marathon f- for those reasons let alone you know just running in that heat and i was running past uh, a friend who was a 230 runner overtook him i overtook about five or six people just from heathside who were all ranging between a 250 and probably a 305 runner and they all ended up down from 315 i mean it was and and that's what you know, to to big up the two batters richard mcdowell oh my god unbelievable Go on, explain, explain to people that haven't seen it. So uh, I th- most people in the Facebook group, probably some people in the who listen to the podcast know Richard, mainly because he's, he's if not the, uh, if not one of the, the quickest do-badder. Yeah. Um, Stu Farmer's up there if it's, if it's not him. Um, but he's been smashing races recently, but his PB going into London was 235. 
and he pulled out a 220, I think it was 227. That's insane. But unbelievable. What has he been doing in previous races? The lazy bastard. <laughs> well, it, it might be. I mean, part of it could actually be the, the Nike trainers helping, but he's been on just incredible form recently. But so he did 227.56. So he smashed his speed by, by seven minutes. And I mean, I know Mo got a massive PB, but that's because it was his second ever marathon. You know, Rich, Rich is, uh, he's not been running for years and years and years, but he's an established runner. Yeah. I don't know anyone else who's, who's got a PB. No, you know, so, no, it and, did, it, yeah. In those circumstances, he was under, but he did, he said the heat didn't affect him though, didn't he? I don't know how. I mean, he's he's the whitest Wait guy I know. I've possibly myself. Has he been uh, taking some of the Icarus uh, medicine? Maybe he picked up Mo's bottle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. Mo was drinking his, his normal water. <laughs> but I mean, unbelievable performance. Unbelievable. That's, that's just incredible. Um, like all the do batters, um, and yeah, you know, thanks for everyone that was, um, uh, like keeping a track on them as well. Cause there were so many, um, all of them, yeah, did like incredibly well, like considering, um, and I know that a lot of people were nervous going into it. Yeah. And, and there was, um, I mean, so many FU buddies on the course. Uh, was there? Great. Oh, so fun. Oh, I mean, enough that people who were running with me, realized it's a thing <laughs> it's just not, when you hear one or two in isolation it's a bit weird um but if you hear it enough then all of a sudden you don't have to explain to people uh, yeah it, it's not me it's just it's a general thing yeah 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 absolutely but um but this, had... but we've, we've we've avoided the main issue here haven't we the real big oh. news haven't we and that's oh. it. And, and neither, so, I mean, that was very, very difficult circumstances under which, um, Tom Dark could have gone sub four. Um, and he was, he was on pace for a long time. For a when long did he drop time. off? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, um, what but did yeah. he end up? Is it 412? Uh, I think it was actually, yeah, 412. Which, oh. um, so, you know what that means? Were you cheering at the screen? What about him uh, falling off? Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I wouldn't do something like that. I kept. I was trying. I was being as supportive as I could because the thing is, it's difficult when you've got all that pressure on you to mm. run a sub four and stuff, but you know that all the circumstances around it were saying that you shouldn't do it. And your um, whole podcast needs it as well. I mean, monkey tennis are going. They do get to shit without the promotion. Well, yeah. The, th- the difficulty is, um, Steve Coogan's never run a sub four. So he was never going to be able to do it. <laughs> it's true. It's a good point. So it, I, it, we should have known straight away. So, um, rematch. Oh, same race. I like it. Same race. London, Brighton. No, no, no. Both in the same race. Head to head. Proper head to head. Auto marathon, yeah, it's got to be done. What do you think, Abingdon? I think it's got. Well, um, well, it's, it's down to him. I'd be happy to. I'm, I'm happy to 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 embarrass myself at any race. You know that. <laughs> but it's down to him. I don't know how exhausted he, he he feels after it, or how much effort that put in, and or how much he you know want to 
carry on because you know he does live a rock and roll lifestyle in the music industry so he does indeed he does indeed busy, busy mates with Liam Gallagher and all and all that but um yeah so I think I think and other people suggested like rematch and I was like yeah I think that's I think that is the fairest way to do it same conditions same race same terrain no excuses boom and it's just it's not even it's not a sub four it's just a head-to-head just straight head-to-head straight head-to-head and and for the skeptics out there who just think we're low on content, uh, what what we are low on content? <laughs> I don't understand what. No, I was just questioning if, if there's any response to that. <laughs> or we're just you're, accepting you're, it. You're quite right. You're quite right. We are. Um, yeah. I just. I. What do you think? Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a brilliant idea. So we just got to. We just got to. We got to get his buy-in. Once we've got his buy-in, it's, it's a goer. I think he'll be in. Do you think I so? Think I think maybe, maybe, maybe leave it to like late in the year. Like I say, if, you, if there's a marathon like November or something, that would be perfect. Yeah, I think that'd be great. And there's some nice ones as well um, towards the autumn, especially if you go to will this be UK or are you happy to travel to somewhere like um, there's one in Florence, I think. Oh, that sounds lovely, actually. Florence in November. Yeah. Me, Tom yeah. Dark, Parla Gelato, whatever. Even Marrakesh in December. Ma- oh, that sounds lovely as well. I don't know, maybe not hot. Maybe I don't know how hot that'll be. Might start getting those like Vietnam style flashbacks. Do add, do add. You weren't there, man. You weren't there. <gasps> That's made me, it's just reminded me of something I found today. Uh, so, oh god, it's not a horrible thing that you've sent to a girl when you were a child that scared the hell out of no, them. The press ups, they've been caught on camera. What press ups? From the MDS. Oh, what you found that today? Yeah, I never realised that video clip had been used in a documentary. Oh, is that the. Because so, uh, I suppose we saw it when we were watching you come through on the finish line cam, but it was really pixely. But there is yeah. actual footage. That's the first footage we've seen. It's the first time I've seen that. So um, for do badders, if you don't know, to officially finish a race, you have to do press-ups at the finish line. Regardless of how big the race or anything is, all this thing, or you'll get trampled and stuff. Like, that is no excuse. Yeah, whatever it takes. So um, I've just discovered a documentary. It's a really good documentary, actually, on the MDS 2016. They took um, five of the best runners in the world along to... Um, to take part as part of I Run Far. Oh yeah. Um, if you look on YouTube, and yeah, at the end they're doing all the, doing the finishes of the these five, and in amongst it they cut in my press ups and then sprint finish to the line, which I'd, I'd never actually seen before. So uh, it was a sprint finish happy. to the line. It looked it looked very it looked different actually um, from like the pixelated thing. the pixelated thing. No one really knew what was happening. Like it looks like you'd run and you'd stop. You're like oh. What's he done now? And then it was clear you'd sort, you looked like you'd done sort of press. Very difficult to tell, but now we have like definite video evidence of it. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So it's in the Facebook group um, at the bottom of JD's post about press ups. But from now on, do batters. If you officially want to be recognised as having finished a race, and we include park runs in that, you have to do press ups on the line. Has to be press ups on the line. But should we um, should we jump into our, our guest for the evening? Yes, let's do it. So our guest tonight is Mark Remy, also known 
as Dumb Runner. Ooh. Do Badders, we do ask you for recommendations of who we should interview. And quite a few of you said for a while that you've wanted us to get the Dumb Runner on. If you don't know who the Dumb Runner is, get on Facebook, uh, look up his website. He is, in many ways everything we love about um at the internet and everything we love about running which is basically against everything we hate about running <laughs> which is boring running so um welcome to the podcast dumb runner hey hey hello thanks for having me how do you do how you doing i'm okay i'm okay it's it's about noon here uh in the pacific northwest in the usa so uh just had a bit of lunch and um looking forward to a chat just, just those words confuse me. I, I just had to think. Pacific, Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, long, that's quite a, a long way away. That is yeah. A long way away. Yeah. So is that near Washington State? It is. It is. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, I'm, in, I'm, in or- I'm in Oregon, which is just south of Washington State. That's Oregon. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Well, um, well, welcome on the podcast. I mean, if you were Thank to you. describe... Um, Dumb runner. I mean, how would you? You've probably had to do it many, many times. How do you put, describe it for our do bad? How do I describe it? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the way to describe it on on the website itself, on the uh, about dumb runner page, is that it's it's an online destination for runners who enjoy laughter and pie. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. And any any particular reason of the pie part, or you're just a big fan? I'm just a fan of pie. I like pie. Although I, I hasten to add, so I, yeah, one thing I've learned. Uh, over the years is that, is that, uh, you guys in the UK have, have, uh, sometimes a slightly definition, a different definition rather of, of, of pie, a little more inclusive. Um, by pie, I'm not talking about the savory kind of, uh, meat pie kind of pies. I mean, the, uh, dessert style fruit, you know, fruit pies and so on, that kind of thing. Uh, kind of like, uh, American. I got nothing, right, right. Yeah. I got nothing against meat pies, but I just wanted to clarify that right after, right off the uh, bat. You've lost a whole swathe of northerners <laughs> now in England who were just thinking at last our pie, so be it. our pie have been recognized as a, as so a, as a running it. food. <laughs> People started salivating and now they're left empty. It's the worst possible start. I can but, live um, with that, you know. I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather lose them than go on under false pretenses. Um, well, we're the opposite. We would lie through our teeth as far as the, whatever it takes to get people involved. But um, huh. tell tell us about your journey, because um, for people that don't who who've just come across Dumb Runner from Facebook, um, right. I mean your your background is is deeply deeply journalistic and running. Uh, for better, or for worse, yeah, I guess it is. Um, I, I didn't set out for it to be that way, but uh, yeah, the, the, I guess the short version is that I've been at this a little over twenty years now, um, which is a, give or take about as long as I've been a runner. And um, I, I went to school for journalism and uh, got out of school and had a newspaper job and this and that and kind of bounced around and ultimately wound up at uh, Runner's World US. And I uh, was there for. Uh, several years and uh, went away for a few years and came back for a few more years and uh, um, yeah so a, a lot of my a lot of my professional life has been tied up with uh, with the runner's world in some form or another and now with uh, now with dumb runner as you note and so what what caused the shift when did you had you left runner's world before you set up uh, or is it something you did in tandem uh, you mean with dumb runner mm, mm. right well uh, so until about four years ago, I was working on staff with Runner's World in um, eastern Pennsylvania, which is where they're headquartered. And uh, my wife and I decided it was time for uh, a move geographically. So we kind of 
decided to move to Portland, Oregon, which is where we are today, and pulled up stakes and moved here. Uh, as part of that move, I went from being a staff member to being a uh, a contributor, a freelancer for for the magazine. Mm. Um, so after about a year, you know, one to two years of that, I kind of downshifted my responsibilities for Runner's World and used that free time uh, that I had just uh, kind of generated to launch dumbrunner.com. So um, yeah, there, there's there's some overlap there for sure. Yeah. What was the thing? What was the thinking behind it? So, what was was there yeah. something that you'd seen either emerging through either working at Runners World or with the interactions with runners, or do you just see that there was a big gap for for something uh, just more lighthearted, a, 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 a different way of looking at running? All right. Gosh. Uh, well, I, I should I should note that um, a lot of what I did for Runners World, particularly in the in the last um, few years I was there, was was an online humor column where the humor what pretty closely mirrored what you see on Dumb Runner uh, today. So, so mm-hmm. running and humor has, um, I wouldn't say it's always been my thing, but it, it's, it's been my thing for, for quite a while. Certainly it, it, it predates my Dumb Runner stuff. Um, uh, and why that is, I'm, I, I don't know. I never really thought about it too deeply. Um, I guess, uh, I, you know, for one thing, I, I, I know myself well enough to know that I'm a bit of a contrarian and, uh, you know, being a runner for as long as I was and working in running journalism for as long as I did, um, I, I, it was hard not to notice a real dearth of lighthearted stuff in that, in that arena. Um, mm. uh, mostly what you saw was an awful lot of people taking themselves awfully seriously, mm. um, much all the time. Um, which, uh, and, and by people, I mean people uh, who were publishing things, whether they were, you know, blogs on their own or they, they worked for a publication or wrote books or whatever. Uh, pretty much across the board, you know, there was very little in the way of humor or lighthearted or tongue-in-cheek stuff when it came to running, which I found hard to reconcile with the fact that most of the runners I knew personally that I ran with and chatted with on long runs and so on were pretty funny people who loved to have a laugh. So there was a real disconnect there between the running population who, in my experience, tended to be, uh, you know, humorous people or, you know, and or people who um, could at least appreciate humor when it came to running. Um, even if they took their running very seriously, they could still have a laugh at, at their expense or at running mm-hmm. expense, whatever. Uh, so there was a disconnect between that running population and the media that I saw, any, anything from blogs and websites to books on, on you know, on, on the shelves um, a, kind of a disconnect there between what people seemed willing or, or, you know, eager to consume and what was available for them to consume. So, um, I suppose you could say I saw a bit of a, an opportunity there. So I filled it <laughs> or tried to. And, and when you were at Runners World, was the, would you, was there a, a positive reaction yeah. to your humorous comment from uh, the public then? Yeah. Uh, Yes, with an asterisk, you know, um, <laughs> so first of all, <laughs> first of all, uh, you know, this is, this is not unique to me or to running or to runner's world, but because it was online, especially, you know, you get the full gamut of reaction, man. You know, <laughs> I think it does, it doesn't matter what you're creating or how you're creating it or what you intend or this, whatever, but Anything that you put out there, uh, you know, X percent of people who see it are, are going to love it. Um, you know, a, another X percent of people are going to just loathe it and d- detest it and whatever, won't be shy about telling you. So most people will be someplace in between. But um, generally speaking, the, the folks who found my stuff and especially the folks who stuck around and followed it 
you know, week after week and month after month and year after year. Um, I, I developed a, 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 I guess you could call it a bit of a cult following. So I, I mm-hmm. certainly had my fans for sure. And I was happy to speak to those fans. Um, uh, that said, especially because it was in the context of runnersworld.com, which overall, you know, was a pretty serious, earnest kind of endeavor. Um, a lot of people, I understandably would, would see a headline from my own blog on the website and assume it was real. You know, <laughs> they weren't familiar with me or my work or the blog, but it was on runner's world and they equated runner's world with, you know, just straight yeah news or service needs. yeah yeah so there's a disconnect for them too going into it uh so uh, i think sometimes people felt um a little uh uh whipsawed or confused or uh you know even worse misled and i, I felt pretty bad about that so uh I, I i took pains to minimize that kind of thing and to label it you know satire and hey this is humor this is a joke but another thing i learned uh, fairly early on was that no matter how well you label something or how much you try to put it in context and give people these these red flags like, hey, guys, this isn't for real. This is just for laughs. People would still respond like, oh, my God, is this real? What? You know, uh, Disney bought the Badwater 135. Uh, you know, um, and so it was really uh, uh, interesting, for sure, for sure. And did any of those um, situations have any repercussions for um, the race directors or individuals or you, yourself uh, at the, the paper? Uh, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, the, the the Disney buys Badwater thing um, <laughs> is, is the one that leaps to mind because that's one probably they got the most um, uh, reaction, quote unquote. Yeah, and uh, I, I so I, yeah, I, I did get a note from from the race director at one point, um, kind of um, uh, so. <laughs> And, and, and I felt bad again because, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know this person personally, but he seemed like a, a nice guy. I'm sure he's a decent fellow. And I, I didn't uh, mean to cause him any trouble. But he yeah, he was getting emails and messages from people frantic about this change and really upset about it. Uh, and I didn't know what to tell him. I'm sorry. It's 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 an outlandish story. You know, I, I photoshopped a picture of Goofy standing in the desert next to you. Know, like, and I, you know, and uh, I. Especially, especially at the time, I was not skilled at photoshopping. I'm, I'm still not, but I was much worse back then. So, uh, you know, it's 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 funny. As as a satirist, you you, you learn again, as I said, that it doesn't. It it kind of doesn't matter how clear you try to make it that it's satirical. Some people just won't get it for whatever reason, whether they don't read too carefully or don't bother reading the actual article at all or whatever. Um, and of course, you know, the, the the risk if you if you overexplain it or make it too obvious, then the whole thing kind of gets punctured. And mm. you've broken the spell, and it's just not funny at all because it's, uh, yeah. So it's 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 a balancing act for sure. I think often the rage comes from when people, as as you say, haven't necessarily fully read something or very quickly jumped to a conclusion, and when they go back, having kicked up a storm and realised just how stupid they look, because uh, the, often when you look at second uh, glance at an article and you see that it's a photoshopped picture of Goofy and things like that, yeah. Um, is is that that feeling of uh, of stupidity that they want to direct as rage towards someone, basically? Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 I, you know, I I know that kind of thing is beyond my control, but I you know, I always I always regret that too. When people, my, my my goal is not to make people feel stupid or or silly or sheepish; it's just to give people a laugh. Um, and I think in most cases uh, that that's achieved, but sometimes uh, <laughs> you, you you can't account for every reader's reaction. And so, when you launched Down Runner, then did you? 
try and change the voice of your column from Runner's World? Gosh, uh, I I did not make a conscious effort to change the voice per se. Um, uh, yeah, I I um, I'm afraid I, I'm I'm not talented enough to have like different voices that I can shift around. <laughs> but, uh, I think I have like one voice, which is mine. Uh, you know, um, for better or for worse. Uh, so, you know, um, in, in fact, I can, I can give you guys a, a bit of a, a scoop here if you want it. Um, now that it's, uh, uh, history, I think I can talk about it, but, um, I, I'm not sure if you're, how familiar you are with Runner's World magazine, um, or if, or if Runner's World UK even carries this column, but at least in Runner's World US, there was a column, um, called Ask Miles in the front of the magazine that was a bit of a, an etiquette advice kind of column. Written mm. by Miles, the Runner's World mascot. Does that ring a bell with you guys, or not really? No. No. no okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, anybody listening in in the states for sure will, will uh, who's read Runner's World will probably recognize Ask Miles. And I can I can I can say now, finally, after nearly uh, um, God, probably almost ten years of, of of doing it, that I was Miles. <laughs> <laughs> is this a huge reveal? Is this like revealing who this it is? It is a huge done. reveal. Top yeah, gear. people have. Yeah, people have people have asked me in the past. People, anybody who follows my work or has followed it uh, even a little bit, um, it, it hasn't been unusual. People approach me and say, "Are you Miles?" And I just I've always historically just had to kind of smile and say, "I can either confirm nor deny that I'm Miles." He's like the stink. Uh, but the stink. As part of some. Yeah, right, right, right. As, as part of some changes though in the magazine recently. Um, uh, I learned that the column is being uh, ended, which is sad. So R.I.P. Miles. But uh, anyhow, I, I, I think I it's safe that I can um, finally belatedly announce that. Yeah, that was that was me. I mean, in the, a way, the that point, the point is, the point is, I, I wrote Miles more or less in in my voice as well. So, you know, um, I'm I'm not. Um, I I have I have some talents, but maybe versatility is not one of them. <laughs> when it comes to voices. And did you find? Um, like, I, did you find now that you're solo dumb runner that you can write the things you might not necessarily have been able to under the guise of run as well have you got more flexibility and have you been able to kind of-, of course yeah 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 of course which is which is one of the great things about it of course uh you know that that carries a greater responsibility too because it it, it, it runner's world um i think sometimes unconsciously i would kind of push boundaries and that kind of thing there knowing that there was an editor on the other end who if something was really a little too outrageous or beyond the pale or not appropriate or for whatever reason, uh, it's just something I might want to think twice about would tell me so would push back. And now I don't have that, which mm. is, which is exhilarating and liberating, <laughs> but it's also kind of frightening because I, I am, ha- I have to be my own filter and that, that can be a difficult thing to be sometimes. Has that, so has um, that, has that, have you fallen foul of that at, at any point where you put something out and then like they've had a bit of a reaction and then you thought, Oh, actually uh, hmm that's a good question um so in the more probably more than two and a half years now that i've been doing dumb runner um i i can't recall a, a time when i've actually pulled the trigger and, and published something that i later regretted thinking like oh that was a mistake or, that joke went too far or, that was inappropriate um there have been uh several instances where i um had an idea that I didn't <laughs> follow through on, uh, you know, and, and I actually, I, you know, I, I do, I, sh- I should give a shout out to, um, my readers and especially a, a certain subset of my readers, um, who belong to a private Facebook group that's reserved for, um, for folks who support the website, 
um, at a certain dollar amount every month. Um, there's a private group where we all kind of like gather and chat. I, I, I do kind of use them sometimes as a de facto focus group. I'll, I'll put out a headline, <laughs> maybe a headline in a, in a stock image or something and say like, uh, what do you think? Yes or no? And some people say, like, Ooh, yeah, maybe not. You know? <laughs> um, oh, that's a good you know, idea. Is this too far, you know, but, uh, in, in the reason that I share I, those things with them is because, you know, in in the back of my head, I, I'm thinking like this might not be entirely appropriate, you know, and I'll run it by them and they'll either say like, no, I think that's fine. Or, you know, or they'll say, you know, LOL, no, <laughs> like it's okay <laughs> to share with them. Like they think it's funny, but the wider audience would probably think like, yeah, maybe not. So are there, see, I, are there any, you can, are there any you can share? But, Sorry? Are there any that you, you could possibly share? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I would actually, I'm being very delicate here. I, no, I, I, I think I would actually rather not. I think it'd be smart for me not to, because by definition, the things that I've that I've shared there and decided not to publish are just not appropriate to share. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, See, I I think if we went to our group and we asked them, they'd send out stuff even worse that would be <laughs> horrifically bad to publish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably yeah. the, the dark mirror they're, of yeah. our souls. They're neighbors. Right, right, right. Yeah. They're provocative. Maybe, some, maybe someday I'll publish a tell-all memoir and I'll include it in that. <laughs> and so how, what's the reaction been then from the, the wider running community, would you say, to Dumbrunner? Um, well, you know, people, um, to a large extent, I'm kind of left to guess because I, you know, the feedback that I get tends to be, uh, from folks who are already fans of, of, of mine. Um, mm. so it's a bit of a self-selecting group, you know? Um, I mean, I, you know, other than that, I, the only feedback that I get is really, it, it kind of comes in dribs and drabs through Facebook comments or messages or very occasionally an email or something, um, sent privately to me. Um, I think it's been fairly positive. Um, which is funny because, you know, on, on, online you tend to hear, or I, I certainly have historically, you tend to hear from folks when they don't like something you've done, mm. just people when they do like something. But, um, you know, I, I, it, it, I, I've been encouraged so far in seeing people, um, just, just the number of people who share my stuff on Twitter or Facebook has been pretty encouraging. Um, so, uh, I consider that a form of feedback for sure. Uh, you know, the more people I can get to see my stuff, the better, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've had very few like super negative reactions, you know, knock on, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx myself. Do you ever, but, uh, do you ever, but, do but you... it is, but it is, but it is the, it is the internet, you know, so inevitably you get a certain number of people, um, responding in a negative or snarky or contemptuous way. Um, who knows why is they're having a bad day or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's not for everybody. That's for sure. And that's, that's, by design, you know, I'd rather, mm. I said before, I'd rather write humor that, that truly resonates with hundreds of people than humor that is, you know, a, a little more saccharine and, and yeah. um, less edgy that resonates with thousands of people. Um, that's just my choice. So I'm, I'm fairly happy where I am, I think. I mean, if you looked at our listenership, you'd probably assume the same of, uh, of our podcast. So, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Like so, I said, even, even, just we a say. Quick glance at your, even just a quick glance at your homepage, I, I, I had a strong sense that we were kind of uh, cut from the same cloth, for sure. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we try to pretend that that's intentional, um, that we, we try to be a cult podcast and that we're trying to be niche, but we're just unpopular, that's all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, um, oh, it's, a very, it's a very select audience. It's yeah, exactly. And that's what we like to think they're select. Um, of course. And, and it keeps them out of other running groups. That's why the other running groups like us. So, um, right, 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 right. Uh, you, it's a boutique podcast. Boutique, that's yeah, the word absolutely. we're looking for. <laughs> absolutely. Do you, um, as, a, as a running journalist um, before, so when I was a running journalist, I find that when you sometimes, um, because you have to write about it for a living, Sometimes that it can destroy your mojo a little bit. Did you ever have that problem? And do you and do you have the, the you know? A, a, I suppose it's, a, it's slightly different now, isn't it? Because you are um, you're, you're you're drawing an income from from the website as well. But do you do you ever find that you lose your mojo or, or anything else like that because you almost because this is part of your job? Right, right. Uh, I assume you mean my my mojo isn't like my my motivation to keep running. Yeah, or absolutely. Enjoying running yeah, that I mean, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, not really. Not really. No. Um, yeah, I think I've been. I think I've been running long enough now to to recognize that you know there are peaks and troughs, and sometimes you're more motivated than others, and you just kind of roll with it and push through it. And um, but no, I've I've never, and I've certainly experienced those those ups and downs, and and. Um, periods when I just really don't feel like running and periods when I just really love running and could do it forever. Uh, but I don't think that my work has ever uh, factored into those ups and downs. Not really. Um, so I, I guess no is the short answer. And Not really. On the really. flip side of that, do you yep. ever find that sometimes you just can't be funny? Do you sometimes struggle never, to never? Never. I'm, I'm <laughs> I know what you mean. We're all, it's, <laughs> it's exhausting. It's actually exhausting. I, I wish I could turn it off. No, uh, um, I'm not sure how to answer that. Uh, um, I mean, apart from the obvious kind of disclaimer, which is that a lot of people would dispute that I'm funny in the first place. You know, <laughs> um, uh, I struggle like like anybody who writes or creates stuff i struggle from time to time as well uh to get motivated to do that you yeah. know and i have periods where i feel you know borderline manic about you know like getting up in the middle of the night to jot down ideas on my notepad and waking up with with an idea um that i want to get started on before i forget about it and all that other kind of stuff and then other times where i just feel like uh, i've been doing this so long it's just such a drag um, you know, and so, you know, self doubt creeps in and everything else. And maybe it's time for a change. Um, but that's, that's been a near constant for me. I mean, creatively for me for almost as long as I've been doing this. And I don't think that's unique to me. I think that's a, I think that's a, like a, a writerly kind of creative type person problem. And you just kind of manage it, you know, you just kind of, it's just kind of in the room with you all the time, you yeah. know? And there's other, do you ever go to like particular things? Oh, I'm, I'm struggling with, um, with some uh, inspiration about, you know, uh, something funny to write. And you'll always, you, you, do you ever go to back to certain sources and go, I know what, I'll just hang out in this group for 10 minutes and I'll listen to some serious runners talking and then I can, I can get some, something funny out of it? Uh, no, it's, no, it's certainly never that conscious. Um, you know, I mean, I, I kind of monitor Facebook and Twitter all the time, just kind of by default and you kind of, 
I mean, after you've been doing this enough time also, you sort of train your, your, your brain to um, kind of to do a scan of, of everything that's around you all the time, yeah. not just on social media, but when you're out, when you're out for a run, when you're uh, in a running store, when you're at a race expo or whatever, um, you're eavesdropping on a couple runners talking or whatever. Uh, yeah, you, all the time you're kind of like scanning whatever environment you're in and trying to like pick up, you know, kind of detect little nuggets that could possibly be, be, be mined for something to, to mix a metaphor there, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so you're, you're sort of always on the lookout for those sorts of things. Um, I, I used to tell, uh, folks who, who worked with me or on my staff, like over the years, like, you know, I, ideas for blog posts or whatever it is you're, you're working on, um, are all around you all the time. They circulate through the air. All you need to do is train yourself to, um, be open to recognizing them and kind of grabbing them as they, as they float by, you know, um, most of the stuff that floats by is junk, but some of it is not, you know, and some of it is gold, but you just have to always be, uh, open and ready to kind of, um, scoop that stuff up, you know? And would you say your content, uh, your content tends to be kind of reactionary to other content out there where you're oh, sometimes for sure it is. Yeah. Ab- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I, am also a bit of a curmudgeon. So if, if, if I notice something that really irritates me, <laughs> mm. um, whether it comes from another publication or a tweet that I saw from someone, you know, if somebody, someone being hyper earnest about something or someone, you know, doing some awful clickbait kind of headline, um, I, I am absolutely not above kind of like, you know, grabbing that and turning it on its head and, and, and using it for something that I'll publish for sure to poke a little fun. Because you have, you, oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead, Jenny. I say, do you have, there's a couple of things, a couple of bugbears of yours that come through really mm. obviously. For example, mm. the t- use of the term <laughs> fuel as opposed to food. <laughs> what did that, yeah, did, did yeah, that come yeah, from? Yeah. First of all, just kudos for using the word bugbear because that's a great word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use of the word fuel. I, you know, I think, um, somewhere on the website, we have, I have like a kind of a manifesto or something where I say like, you, you know, I, I, I will never refer to food as fuel. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's kind of jokey, but, but, but really not because I think, you know, I, the whole idea of, of looking at, at food, which should be this, this wonderful, joyous, uh, uh, thing that you look forward to and really enjoy to reducing it to something like fuel, I think is just, uh, one, it's just a needlessly grim approach. And two, it just, it just speaks. I, to me, that's just like a, like in, in one word, that one word is like a microcosm for, for the awful, awful ways that, that so many people who, who write about running and talk about running, frankly, have, have taken this, this wonderful, simple, awesome thing and, and turned it into something kind of like a grim chore, something mechanical, you know, like I don't want fuel, you know, I want, I want a bagel. <laughs> I want a slice of pizza. I want a nice plate of pasta. And you know, fuel is just so uh, joyless. I mean, I think fuel to me, rather than um, <clears throat> taking it, making it less human, I think it's making it almost more cyborg, where people want to see themselves as these elite machines. And machines, yeah. you know, as as a runner, I don't just need food i need fuel because i'm so incredibly fast and i'm really <laughs> going to get the maximum out of everything so i think actually a lot of it is is that kind of marketing towards 
trying to pretend you're better than you are essentially no 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 i know I, 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 I think well from a from a um a ultra perspective i think it's being able to make excuses for eating as much as you want under the auspices <laughs> of saying it's fuel like literally like these this <laughs> the, like chocolate muffins um you know what ice cream it's all fuel it's all fuel it's not food it's fuel now <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not being a fat fat <laughs> i'm not being, i'm, not, fueling, I'm not, not stuff in my face i'm fueling my body <laughs> yeah optimal fueling yeah <laughs> yeah by the way i again again let me hasten to add that i i, I am not um I, i'm not trying to trivialize the role that that proper nutrition plays in 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 running or you know just being active or healthy in general because i I, I believe all, I, I try to eat right myself. Um, I fail often, but I try and, um, I'm not advocating eating garbage all the time either, but, um, but yeah, the, 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 the use of fuel, um, as a, as a noun and a verb kind of, uh, grates for sure. <laughs> and what would you say your other gripes are? What fuels your hatred? Yeah. <laughs> what fuels my hatred? <laughs> <laughs> what, oh, yeah. What gosh. triggers you? That's the, that's the good one. Right. You know, um, it, it's, gosh, the, actually, you know, the, the, the fuel thing is, 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 is really a good one because it's specific and it really does mm. get under my skin. Um, and it's also it's, something it's, I've not, I've not actually thought about until now, but I've been very aware of without realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, overall, it, it's hard to think of something, um, like that that's that specific that I mm. can sort of rattle off. Um, and just in, generally speaking, I'm, I really dislike how running has become, um, complexified. I don't even know if that's mm. a word, but it is now, that's like complexified. Word. You know, everything, uh, You've just complexified that word. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Case in point. (laughs) I'll do it. I don't care. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I, it's, 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 it's weird. And I guess it was inevitable as running um, got bigger and bigger and uh, more commercialized, um, you know, more and more companies sprang up and had to compete for, you know, a certain number of uh, dollars out there and try to find new customers. So, uh, you know, that's what happens. Things get complicated, needlessly complicated, overcomplicated. And suddenly this, this beautifully simple, uh, pursuit, um, you know, becomes bogged down with, uh, you know, this watch and this app and this training platform and this, uh, you know, this fuel, you know, this hydration, you know, not drinks, it's hydration. And, uh, yeah, you should probably get this. You need this. You need this jacket for these conditions and this one for these conditions. And you need, uh, you, you definitely need to foam roll, you know, and da, da, da. like, I, I don't know. I'm foam rolling kind of bugs me too. Cause I'm not convinced it doesn't <laughs> any good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I defy anybody to, to show me evidence that it, that it does, you know, um, uh, but, but, People swear by their foam rollers, you know, and um, I've got a travel one and a full size one and this one collapses. <laughs> and it's just it's just this. Uh, I think the best thing mushrooming, is mushrooming, right? I think the best thing that is the item that's just called the stick. And it the is <laughs> it's a stick that you buy and you then the you stick, use it. I have like a certain grudging. I have a certain grudging respect for the stick just because it's been <laughs> around forever and it's called the stick. You know, I just I just I, I love that kind of forthrightness. You know, here's a freaking stick. It's called the stick. Um, 
I'm sure, in fact, I think I owned one at one point. I don't any longer, but, um, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it really bothers me because, uh, you know, for one thing, like, like a lot of runners, I feel a certain sense of ownership, I guess, and you know, with running, mm-hmm. um, a certain kind of, um, d- despite my curmudgeonliness, a certain kind of passion for it, uh, even an earnest passion. So I'll admit sometimes. And, um, and, you know, sitting back and watching this profusion of, of, of products, uh, gear and nutrition and hydration and gadgets and electronics and tracking and slicing and dicing and like all this stuff just kind of like burying this, this simple, simple thing that I love. Uh, this thing that I love partly because it is so simple. It, it, I find it really irritating, you know, and worse, I think it actually, I think it actually does more harm than good insofar as it um, discourages some people from even taking up running because like, oh, this, this is overwhelming. I don't know. What shoe should I get? There are a thousand choices, you know, like, well, I tell, I tell people just go to a running store, try some on. And when you find some that are comfortable, bingo, those are your running shoes. You know, you don't need a, a gait analysis. You don't need all this other mumbo jumbo stuff. Just you know, don't overthink it. That's my, that's my mantra. Just don't overthink it. You know, um, unfortunately on the other side, there's a lot of people with, with a, a, a really vested interest in, in encouraging people to overthink it. <laughs> and do you think that's partly driven by people's desire to try and perform at you know, their hundred percent maximum capability? Or you think it is more marketing driven? I think it's marketing driven. I mean, uh, well, the two kind of go hand in hand because, you know, people, People want to feel, um, even if they, even if they're not the kind of person, um, who, who wants to really like put it all on the line and reach, reach their full potential and all that kind of type A stuff. Um, I, you know, I think everybody naturally likes to think that he or she is well equipped mm-hmm. for the task at hand, likes to feel that he or she has the best, uh, gear that money can buy, you know, or that, that he or she can afford, you know. Uh, wants to feel comfortable while they're doing what they're doing and, and on and on and on. So I mean, those are all natural instincts and there's nothing inherently wrong with them. But I think marketers absolutely exploit all of those human tendencies. And um, I, I wouldn't use the word prey as like they prey on people, but sometimes it feels like it's borderline preying on people, you know? Um, and I, th- I think it's just a shame because it doesn't have to be that way, but there's mm-hmm. no profit. There's no profit in, in, in preaching simplicity. So, you know, I- and have you seen that runners have been changing the last few years as well? And, and, you know, have you adapted your content towards that or? Uh, sorry, have they changed in what sense? With- um, well, do you, do you feel that the, the type of people that is now running and the, the people being drawn into running is changing as, as the sport evolves and actually, and hopefully expands? Uh, gosh, you know, I mean, I, I'm just one person with one kind of, um, vantage point. So it's really hard for me to assess the larger kind of landscape. Um, I mean, I, I, I do know with, with some certainty that, um, the most recent running boom, which is, I lose track of it. Is it the third running boom or the fourth one or the 10th <laughs> one by now? I don't know. But the, the most recent running boom that was actually called a running boom, um, I, I, I'm fairly certain has started to kind of recede over the past couple of years. I think, um, race participation is down and, and so on. Um, but, you know, before that, I, I, I absolutely saw a, a, a change in um in the makeup of runners you know i saw um uh certainly a lot more women out running um in races for sure and that's that's a great thing um gosh i don't know i mean when you step way back and look at the 
at, at the long arc, um, just, I mean, more people are running today in general, which is a good thing, I think. Uh, you know, back in the 70s or early 80s or whatever, you saw, you know, when you could find a marathon near you, there were probably, you know, two or 300 people and they were all guys and they were all running, you know, 220 or 230 for, for the marathon. So it was a lot more fringy and ex- exclusive and hardcore back then. Um, I, I, I happen to think it's a good thing that more people are running today, um, in, in, including marathons, if that's, if that's what they want to go for. Um, uh, you know, finished, average finishing times have slowed way down, which, which rankles some people, some, you know, so-called <laughs> purists or whatever. Uh, it doesn't particularly bother me. Um, uh, I, I will I will say that that it's it it does bother me sometimes to see people um, getting into running and feeling almost duty bound to do a marathon. I, mean, mm. I think the, mar- the marathon is a, is a wonderful pursuit, and I could talk for hours about running marathons. Um, but it's not for everybody, you know, and and that's okay, you know. Uh, I, I think you could have a very happy, healthy, long career as a runner. And never run a single marathon, you know, which might sound obvious to, to you guys, but, uh, sometimes you wonder, you know, there's been this fixation on the marathon. It's become almost fetishized to the point where, you know, I, I think sometimes, unfortunately, people take up running, um, you know, with the idea at the outset that they're going to run a marathon, which I think is a little, um, uh, premature. Let's put it that way. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, I, to put a more positive spin on it, I would, I would love to see more people get into running, um, just kind of slowly and gradually and just learning to love it and kind of learning the ropes and, uh, you know, put the marathon on the shelf for three or four or five years, if ever, like you don't, the marathon will be there, uh, if you want to run one later, you know, there's no need to rush into it, you know? And I think, yes, especially as there's probably very few things in running that will turn you off running as much as running a marathon. Well, there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, but of course, it's, the, worst, the worst case scenario is you'll get hurt, you know, yeah. for running for it when you're not quite ready. And that's and then you're running zero miles, uh, you know, and that's the worst thing of all. So. But it's, the thing about the marathon, isn't it? It's, it's probably one of those ones, but especially the, you know, some of the bigger ones that drive newer people into the sport in the first place by mm. seeing, because it's become mass participation, because it's become much more visible, there's a lot more people who are like, right, marathon is running that when you go into it rather than you know build up from it i mean i think that's ch- that's changed like now we've got like park runs and, and you know different distances but marathon is always that one that like because people always have like they, they want to have a go now don't they like mm. okay i'm gonna silence a marathon be it like you say be all and end all run a marathon that's it and that's their only ever experience of running training for a marathon um either doing well at it or not doing well at it and then deciding what happens afterwards and like you say they can your experience may be completely ruined by the fact that you tried a marathon or it might be the thing that triggers you to go and do do other things as well yeah yeah it's 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 hard to know you know people have different motivations and different styles and different personalities for sure um i can't i'm blanking on who said it maybe it was Catherine switzer who said that the best motivation is spectating a marathon or something. I'm, I'm probably butchering the, the quote, but, uh, yeah, I mean, watching a marathon for, for anybody is, um, undeniably an inspiration. Uh, you know, the question is what you, what you do with that inspiration once you walk away, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, but we had London yesterday 
And even today, I've had some friends message me who are asking me about times and things like that because they're going to sign up for a marathon. <laughs> and the reality is you watch the Olympics and you watch people who are so unrelatable to you, who've been training their whole life, who are performing at a level that you can't even dream of. Right. And it, it doesn't make you think, right, I want to go and run a, a two, sorry, 150, 800 meters. Whereas you watch the London Marathon or the New York Marathon, the Boston Marathon, and let's let's say Boston just because there's a quick qualifier, but London, sure. and you see people from all life, all walks, running in five hours, six hours, and being lauded as heroes, and all of them are obviously saying it's the most incredible thing. It's been brilliant. No one's there saying, this was just horrific. Why did I do this? <laughs> 18 weeks of hell and now this was even worse and, and so you you get a six hour sales pitch on a marathon you never get a sales pitch on running anywhere so it doesn't surprise you that, that draws people in really yeah it's not surprising in, in the least yeah yeah um i i would like to think of it as a six hour um ad for running versus a six hour ad for running a marathon um but i, it, I can understand why you would see people do that and think i want to do that uh, you know, and of course, there's nothing wrong with that either. The problem, the problem arises when people decide to do that and go from zero to training for a marathon, you know, literally overnight and then wind up on the couch in a cast or something and, and hating their lives and hating everything. You know, it's, 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 it's funny because I, I, I always have told people like, you know, the, the great thing about training for a marathon, running a marathon is that it, uh, if you do it right, you know, that it teaches you about the value of perseverance and patience mm. and taking the very long view, you know. Um, so I would I would just encourage, uh, you know, anybody hearing this who saw London or Boston or whatever and is motivated to do a marathon, you know, take that kind of, kind of like front load that message from marathon training and into your life right now and, you know, decide right now you want to run a, run a marathon. But if you haven't, run much or at all over the past few years um you know decide you want to run a marathon next fall you know or three years from now or whatever and sit down and sketch out a plan to get there you know i'll sign up for this 5k later this summer i'll do a half marathon next spring and and you know use that use that patience being patient will serve you well for sure so and have about, fun what, of all. what about your running career then so let, you know you 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 must have done like a huge number of races what what have been like your your you know your progression did you did you start with with um uh, smaller races or did you go into marathons or how did you how did your interest in running start right uh so this is the part where i tell you they're like yeah i started with a marathon right? <laughs> <laughs> to discount everything no, I just, it sounds like that was entrapment there wasn't it that's not the case that's, that's not exactly how it happened so my 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 situation uh is is a is a, is a bit more unusual in that um Starting, starting in, uh, my early teenage years, I was, um, a fairly hardcore, I guess you say cyclist, a road cyclist. Like, um, you know, I, I'm the kid who would watch the Tour de France every summer and get pumped and hop on my bike and go ride a bunch of miles. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I did that for a good, you know, dozen years or so, riding, um, century rides, which are 100, 100 mile rides and all that kind of stuff. I did a, a bunch of those in my formative years. So by the time I got into running kind of accidentally, um, in uh in my early 20s i had a pretty tremendous foundation uh under me of, of just cardiovascular fitness and 
um, you know, everything else, even like mental, mental toughness kind of training, you know, um, so, uh, so when I came to running, uh, I wasn't exactly coming into a cold, you know, um, so I, and I, and I started kind of gradually, pardon me, um, running as cross training for cycling, right? So, so over a period of time, I kind of went from a cyclist who also ran sometimes to, you know, eventually a, a runner who sometimes biked. Um, and it wasn't really a conscious choice. I just kind of learned that I was a better runner than I was a cyclist. And I was also kind of burned out with cycling at that time. So, um, to, to be perfectly honest, I can't remember my first, my very first race ever as a runner, what distance it was. I do remember doing a 15 mile race. It was a Valentine's day race. I remember it was cold and snowing, um, <clears throat> near the town where I grew up in, uh, in, in Ohio. Um, so yeah, I remember doing a 15 miler and then it wasn't long after that that I decided to start training for a marathon, but that was 20 plus years ago now. So it was quite some time ago and I can't remember the, 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 the details are kind of hazy. Um, but since then I've run 20, uh, you'll see Boston last, last Monday actually it was my 28th marathon overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the marathon race distance is the only one I really keep track of as far as, you know, number of events I've done. I, I can't recall how many half marathons I've done or 5Ks or anything else, but a bunch for sure. And I mean, talking of Boston, I yep. actually I only heard of it when I was in the London Expo and everyone was so many people were talking about it that I then went back and watched it all. Um, I mean, it, it's, it seemed horrific. How was it for you? It was it was bananas. It was crazy. Um yeah, I, you know, I, I, so I, I do have a, a rehearsed answer for this because several people have asked me in the past week, like, how, how was it? How was the weather? Was it really that bad? Um, and what I tell people is, uh, if, if you weren't there in person to witness it firsthand, um, I, I think, and I, I really believe this, I think that you'll, you won't, you won't really understand or comprehend how awful the weather was, mm-hmm. um, until or unless you watch a video of the runners, you know, racing through the, the weather with, with the sound turned up mm. because like, you know, you can, you can read, you know, 10,000 words of people's blog posts or Facebook posts or whatever with their race recaps, like, Oh, the rain was awful. Oh, it was, it was really coming down hard. Oh, it was so cold. You know, the wind was terrible, but you know, you can take all of those man and just like watch one 60 second video of someone took with their cell phone from the sidelines. And when you hear the rain coming down <laughs> the wind and the sheets of just like this wall of water and the, it's like insane. Like that's when you'll really get it. Like, Oh, that bad. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my best advice to you is to go watch a video. There are several floating around out there, but um, it's exactly as bad as it looks. Um, the only thing it really can't convey is how cold it was. And it was really pretty cold, especially with the wind and when you were soaked, but it was, it's pretty brutal. I, I, I tell people basically, you know, I've run, a bunch of marathons over my life. I've run in uh, cold weather for sure, brutally cold weather. I've run in bad wind. I've run in the rain. I have never run that far in rain that bad with wind that bad when it's been that cold. So it was like <laughs> all these factors, the kind of like, you know, you've heard the phrase the perfect storm. This is like yeah. the perfect storm of, 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 you know, bullshit weather for the marathon. Pardon me. <laughs> And how many minutes did it kind of knock off what you were expecting? Oh gosh. So that's, that, there's another anomaly because this year for the second year in a row, I was running, um, not for myself, not my own race, but I was guiding a friend of mine who was, who was legally blind. 
through an outfit called Team with a Vision, which is a tremendous organization that uh, matches blind um, and visually impaired runners with sighted guides. So, so I, I was running there with my buddy Tim and just helping him get through to the finish. And he, uh, uh, so yeah, for the second year in a row, the weather was not ideal. And, uh, and, and my buddy experienced some problems, uh, separate from the weather. So, um, I think both years, last year and this year, he was hoping to run like a four, maybe a 420 to 430, uh, marathon. And, um, last year, because of the heat and some injuries he had, we ran a 520, which was pretty rough, you know, with a lot of walk breaks. Mm-hmm. This year, um, with the cold and the conditions I just described, plus some, some GI distress that he experienced late in the race, um, I think we did just shy of five hours. So we were out there quite a, quite a long time, wow. especially in those conditions. Yeah. It yeah, it was rough. Oh, fair play. And, and did, was there a huge dropout rate from the field in general? Uh, bigger than in most years. Uh, yes, absolutely. I don't have, um, a number at hand for that. I hadn't, I haven't seen an actual stats on it, but from what I hear, yeah, uh, quite higher than than usual including in the elite fields by the way so well i mean the fact that the i can't remember the the american lady's name but the she came second having only ever won one marathon before and and you look at the podium it's completely different to what you'd expect oh yes uh, sarah tellers i believe is her name the the nurse right yeah that were an astounding it was it was it was a race of astounding stories this year for sure yeah uh, up, up to and including Desi Linden, the the woman who won, which was just a joyous thing. She's been wanting that for for so long. She's she's just so tough as nails. She just grounded out, man. <laughs> I was so I was so happy when I heard that she won. And um and in terms of the kind of where the dumb run is going, then what have you got any particular f- future plans, or do you see it uh, changing in any way? Um. I don't see major changes on the horizon. Uh, honestly, I, um, to be completely honest, I, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm going on three years now. It'll be three years this fall since I launched it. And, um, I don't know. It, that's kind of, it's, 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 it's TBD. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be elliptical or cryptic here, but it's, uh, this is actually something I've been thinking about quite, quite a lot. Um, and it's, uh, I'm, what I'm trying to decide right now to be perfectly candid is whether it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't take ads or do sponsored posts or any of that other stuff, uh, because that's another one of my uh, bugbears, you know? Um, so I, I don't, I don't take money from, from anybody to support what I do, except for, uh, readers, except for fans. So it's, it's, it's entirely reader supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I am fortunate to have uh, a few hundred very loyal, uh, terrific fans who pay me either a monthly pledge or a periodic PayPal donations. Um, and I'm very grateful for that, but, uh, the time that I'm putting into it versus the income it's generating, uh, the math just isn't working quite yet. And I, so right now I'm trying to think, you know, like a year from now, will I still be doing it? Um, can I still afford to be doing it? All that kind of stuff. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of boring, you know, sober kind of math <laughs> that I won't bore you with here, but, uh, uh, we'll see. But the, the answer to your question is, do I plan on changing it? Um, not, not really. No. Um, that said, I'm always open to suggestions, and if people 
have ideas or things they'd like to see or new features they'd like me to introduce, I'm completely uh, amenable to entertaining those for sure. Yeah. But as of now, no major changes in, in mind. Nope. See, we're very, uh, we're, yeah. very, we're very similar in the way that we don't take any advertising um, or any sponsorship. And that's oh, yeah. nothing to do in any way with the fact that we can't get it. And completely. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, just, just exploring that a little bit. Um, so, so, um, you, you, um, you're, you're quite vocal actually on that. You said when, when you said that's a bugbear. What is it? I am. Is that, is that out of something that you, you experienced when you were at Runner's World or things that you've just seen general trends? Cause I'm sure, yeah, David will have to add something on here about how, um, about the, the the state of um of online journalism and running journalism in, in, in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you know, it's just it's just a general kind of gut feeling that's that's developed over the years with me. Um, so that when I decided to launch this, uh, I, I made a, a conscious decision to choose this path over over the other. Um, I, of of course, it, it should be noted as you just joked about, like. If I decided tomorrow to start accepting ads, I, I don't expect the floodgates would open and I'd be, you know, be buried in, in bags of money all of a sudden. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I guess the, the best way I can answer that is that, is that I believe that the introduction of, of money from, from outside companies, outside brands, um, it's, uh, I've struggled to find the right words. Um, it's evil. Is that the word? <laughs> is, that, is that emphatic enough? Evil. That's a good one. I don't think, I don't think it's evil. I don't think it's evil. And by the way, I, I, and I don't blame anybody out there who does go that route, which is most people. Um, I think it's certainly easier in most ways. That's for sure. Uh, um, probably more lucrative. Um, so I, for, for most people, I think it probably makes a lot of sense. But for me personally, I just, I didn't want to feel accountable to, anybody else for what yeah. I write, uh, apart from my fans, apart from my readers. Um, I want to write with one audience only in mind, which is the people who read my stuff and will hopefully get a laugh from it. Um, in the moment you take, you know, a nickel from anybody else, you know, you can, you, you can tell yourself, you know, Oh, this editorial review is purely, um, uh, ob objective, you know, it's, this is, uh, you know, we take money from these guys, but it doesn't influence this. Like it's, well, of course it does. How could it not? You know? Um, and I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to go down that path, you know? Um, and furthermore, and this is something a lot of people don't really think about, but I've thought about quite a bit. Uh, when you take money for ads, you rely on page views to your website on clicks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, it sounds simple enough, except that it leads to some pretty, um, I, I wouldn't say evil, at least to some pretty obnoxious behavior. Yeah. You know, it, it, it leads to things like clickbait. Like, you know, yeah. um, in other words, when I share a link, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, something that I, uh, find amusing, whether it's something I published or something someone else published, um, I just share it because I think the people who follow me will also enjoy it. And if they don't click, if they don't click it, that's okay with me. I don't have a lot invested in that. Um, even if it's something that I've published because I don't, I don't rely on getting people to visit my website per se to deliver the value I want to deliver. Um, if people can see a headline and an image that I've put together for an article and get a decent chuckle out of just the headline and the image on Facebook and never even click it, I'm okay with that. You know, I've made them laugh. I've made them smile. Um, if I rely on ads, 
that's wasted. I can, I, I need them to click that, you know? Mm. So I need to make the headline clickbaity. I need to be a little disingenuous sometimes. I need to do whatever it takes to get people to click that. You know, I need to do slideshows where I take an article that could be a simple single page and chop it into 10 to get more clicks. And yeah. I could go on and on and on and on. But, but this, this reliance on advertising and external, um, dollars, uh, it, it, you know, it has this, it has some pretty deleterious effects, I think. Um, and it's just, I didn't want to be part of it. So I, I guess what I'm counting on is for, is for people out there to recognize that and, uh, value it enough to want to chip in a couple bucks to help me keep, keep doing it. So, and actually the, I, I know you mentioned before we were on a recording that you're not massively involved in the podcast world, but there are quite a few podcasts out there that have taken the um the financial setup that you've applied to dumb runner and they've used that with their podcast so oh, yeah. i think donations are becoming more common uh sometimes just straight donations sometimes through kind of almost kickstarter campaigns where you i think can, so too yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's fun. encouraging yeah absolutely um and i i think as well it to a certain extent you're at the the beginning of the journey where I think people are going to be won over more to that style of funding because when we were talking to um, Riley a couple of episodes ago and she was talking about some of the things she needs to do as the running bug um, and some of their posts would be about baby goats because that gets a lot of clicks. <laughs> and, you know, that I find that deeply frustrating from running media that they are creating content to get clicks or to get viewership outside of necessarily runners because it's a larger audience and um we i think we are changing as a culture and we're starting to realize if we want good content then it's got to be paid for by someone and and so hopefully everyone else is coming around to that that viewpoint as well and be will be more willing to fund projects and and kind of voices and journalists and uh things like dumb runner because they they value its 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 purpose and they value its uh how much it it's different to everything else out there yeah yeah i hope so i hope so it's it, it's an uphill battle for sure um it's it, it's it's a tough space the online space trying to navigate that and make any kind of money off of it for sure um you know people see things online and they just expect them to be free or you know they just they should be free or whatever. Um, and that's, that's an understandable instinct. And it's been drilled into people now for so long that that's just kind of the default. But, uh, uh, I, I share your hope that it's, uh, changing slowly. So we'll, we will see. We'll see. Well, I think that's good. Posi- you've got a good positioning with your Facebook group. You've got the Facebook group that gets to see all of your stuff uncensored. It's like the, it's like the, <laughs> is it? I think there's people who always say to us, Oh, we'd love to hear your unedited episodes. And I'm like, well, no, because there's not, there's nothing funny in those unedited things. It's just a load of litigious <laughs> stuff that David said nah. that we can't repeat. But actually right. seeing, seeing some of the, like the, you know, the, the rough cuts and stuff that makes it on the cutting room floor. It's probably, you know, yeah, that's quite a valuable thing when you're a fan of something. I suppose yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Dumb runner after dark. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> you should you should take it even further. Where whenever you're drunk, you'll just leave voice messages <laughs> to yourself of ideas that only they get to listen to. <laughs> I you laugh, but I, I floated an idea a while ago, and I I still think about doing this sometime of starting a website called thirdbeer.com. Because <laughs> like I don't know about you guys, but like I you know I I don't drink near as much as I used to. Thank goodness, but. 
on when I when I do go from my second beer to a third, sometimes I uh, you know like somewhere in that third beer is when the when the juices start flowing, man. That's when the, <laughs> the filter comes off, and yeah, I, I think it's when the magic happens. <laughs> I don't think we've made it to the end of the first one before the magic happens. And by magic, we say terrible ideas. Right. It's yeah. a fine line. It's a fine line. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you do set that up, that website, let me know, because I'll, be, um, I'll be putting in lots of ideas, that's for sure. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, oh, yeah, this was fun. And uh, if if people want to, obviously they can go on Facebook, find Dan Runner. They can go and look on your website. There's several books. I think four books out now. Is that right? Four four books plus a training journal. So it depends on how you define the. It's a, it's four <laughs> books or five. <laughs> the training journal is mostly empty space. Let's face it. Oh, is it okay? It's, it's for people to write their own. Uh... The Dumb Runner training journal. Yeah, it does have some jokes in it as well. But yeah, <laughs> brilliant. And um. Are there any other ways in which people can follow you or, or keep up to date on, on what you're doing or, or Dumbrunner's doing? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, Dumbrunner.com is the place to go. Um, as you said, I'm, I am on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Um, on Twitter, I am uh, the real Dumbrunner, I believe, because Dumbrunner was taken. And <laughs> Twitter wouldn't give it to me, even though the account had been derelict for years. It's a long story. It's, probably, it's another bugbear. But, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Bad Boy Running 1 knows exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, dumbrunner.com is the, uh, is, is the, the home base for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, oh, thanks um, for having me. we will share your content as much as we have before. We do love it. So, uh, That's great. Thank uh, you. and if there's anything we do in the future to help, then give us a shout and I'm sure the do badders will step up and uh, help in any way we can. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. That's fuck. Bye. Right, see ya. Bye. Oh yeah. yeah. That was uh, so. Uh, Dumb Runner was um, a suggestion by Do Badder. I think that was a pretty good suggestion. It's very similar, to, really, to the to, to the way we think about stuff. <laughs> what I love about him is he admitted before we recorded. He was like, "So you know, have you, have you listened to any episodes?" Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't listen to podcasts. That's what do we. So fair play, respect that, respect that. <laughs> so are we are we the first podcast that's interviewed him? It must be. I don't think other in, you know, podcasts would be interested in him though, because he's he's not he's everything that they hate. He's like interesting, but he's not labouring on about issues, or he's not talking extensively about a particular race. He's just making light of running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um, I think it's like there's, there's like so many similarities in like the humour, isn't there? Like having to like picking out certain things that like annoy you and mm. um and focusing on those, and you just can't. Those things keep coming back up up again. Of course, he doesn't have like an A to Z like we do, um, which we could fill several books with. But uh, but yeah, that's yeah. Obviously, something you know, you build a little bit of a tribe, little get a bit of a cult following behind you, and then people, you know, that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? You know, things that piss you off about running and everything. Um, yeah, I I really want to know the things that because uh, I think it was just because he's put them on the spot. But even fueling, I've never thought of it. That yeah, you're right. It's just food, and as soon as you change it to fueling, it almost justifies then changing food into weird stuff 
Whereas if you were th- always thinking about what am I eating, I'm eating a weird gel. Yeah. Yeah, it that's just it. seems odd. It doesn't make sense. Whereas I'm eating food. You're like, what food am I having now? Oh, okay. And yeah, it's yeah, complete. He's completely right with that. But it's it's interesting that he because people have talked about before about the overcomplication of of running. Yeah, and it it definitely is a thing. And even the well. I mean, I don't know if you're the same, but the number of questions I get when people are marathon training, like friends who come along and they're almost overwhelmed by the options, by what they hear, what they're told. Do I need to completely change my diet? Do I have to completely change my running style? Do I have to, whereas it should just be put on a pair of trainers, go for a jog. Yeah. Yeah. What I like in those situations, people come and ask me, is that I just go, I don't know, I've got a clue. That's David. Often, but th- I mean, I, I know a lot about some things, but not not about huge areas. I mean, if you ask me what pair of trainers, I don't know anything outside of the trainers I've worn. And why would you? Because if you find a pair of trainers you like that fit you, are comfortable, and you'll always do them. Why would you, why would you ever change? Yeah, and, it's and like smoking. I, it is. It, <laughs> why would you? You stick to your brand, don't you? You stick to your brand, don't you? When you smoke, like you don't. That all all tobacco advertising is to try and get you to switch. Not to stop smoking, to, you know, to get you to to even think about another brand, or just to keep buying the same brand. Really, isn't it? That's what yeah. that's what the tobacco advertising just reinforcement. Yeah, um, yeah, and and that's the thing with a lot of elements of running um, or certain kit. Oh, this is something which this oh, what should have oh. should have talked it about uh, to do with the London Marathon. But so basically, this year there's a new sponsor, London Marathon, which oh, yeah. is New Balance. Um, and having been to the expo, been reasonably involved unofficially <laughs> with the expo. <laughs> You're allowed and, to talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, so if you if you didn't follow Caffeine Bullet, then um, you probably wouldn't have noticed, but I, I thought I'd just see what it's like to be a stand at the expo. As a startup, didn't have any money, so I just went, found a space because every year there's somebody who doesn't turn up, and just set up a, a caffeine bullet stand. I was there for five hours or, or four hours before I got bored, and um, no one, no one said anything. What do you think was the rate card value of the space that you occupied? Well, I, from having spoken to others, I think it's about four grand. Oh. For the time I'm there, um, but I mean, it was it was really interesting because it gave me an insight to what people are thinking when they go around the expo. Oh yeah, um, and I mean, the, the things that I've heard are, are crazy actually. While I've been there, because I, you know, I've been talking to New Balance, I've been talking to various. You know, I know I've been talking to um, Cliff Bar who were there uh, two times. You, I know who were there. Um, and getting their view on things, but so it turns out that two balance, New Balance, for example, completely sold out of everything. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I can't remember what the Adidas kit was like before, but the stuff they've made this year is really nice kit. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's like performance-wise, but then it's a pair of shorts, or it's a top, or it's a you know, it doesn't. You're over, overly complicating things to suggest that 
a t-shirt or a top or a t-shirt you know shorts makes a huge difference but they're just really nice things that i'd wear in the pub you know when i'm meeting um you know when i'm out all the they're just nice um completely sold out of those but then as um you know as caffeine bullet i was there thinking god how am i gonna make four grand i'd have to sell what 10 grand worth of packets at least and um and in reality anyone who buys they only bought one packet because you're not going to buy more than one packet before no. the marathon and then people very few people would try it because you're not going to have a huge dose of caffeine in the afternoon a day and a half before the marathon and so like there's no way in which i should ever get a stand here because for one people don't tend to try new things yeah or if they do they're going to buy one of them for the marathon and it's you know three pounds a package i'm never gonna be able to sell enough whereas if you're selling um and even i think if you're selling trainers it's, i can't see how you could sell enough trainers to get back the the stand because i mean mine's four grand whereas the larger ones are obviously a lot more expensive but um yeah just seeing how everyone kind of walks they look at what you're doing then they look up to see the name of the stand yeah and no one looks you in the eye but sometimes they're intrigued but as if as soon as you're not there they'll then walk up and have it like get a leaflet or yeah and i think a lot of stands you just need to leave the information there and walk away and then everyone will go and actually read about it because they don't want to be caught in a conversation no no absolutely not that's really interesting. I, I can completely see that as well. Because when the dress, you dress the stand and everything that goes with it, I always wonder, you know, how many... I know there's always loads of other marathons advertising. Mm. We've got stands at the expo. And I just think, that's, that's got to be a hard sell. Yeah, Going, but I think... Yeah, go on. Yeah, but I, I think those guys... Because there's no way you can make enough money as a marathon from marathon places sold. No. I, I think they must must all have agreements with each other. Oh, what? Yeah, contras or something. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I can't see how the um, you know the, the Reykjavik Marathon will come to London and be able to make four thousand pounds <laughs> profit on their numbers. Because I mean, how much do you have to sell to even say you're making ten pounds off each place? You're still having to sell four hundred places just at the London Marathon. Unless never. Unless it's a it's a long play of getting enough people from London signing up, uh, uh, you know, at a loss or or breaking even in order to get the volume that you need in order to get the sponsorship to make it. I mean, it's crazy, but um, yeah, I'm just I was just trying to you know chop it down different ways that it might be might be possible. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, like uh, the the economics of it. The, the thing that the thing that really got me riled, which is a kind of an aside to the exhibition, but um, the paces this year we New Balance for the first year, and you know I've, I've paced for London maybe five six years, and for me I I, I love it. I think it's a real honour. Um, it's a pretty sweet gig. I get free kit and I get free race entry, and all I have to do is run a certain pace, um, yeah. and I'm under no airs and graces that uh, what i do not everyone could necessarily do it but a lot of people can <laughs> it's not that hard to run a certain pace slower than you're capable of of running consistently um but this year the um 
that the paces were kicking up so much of a fuss because some of them didn't have kit delivered until so i picked up my kit on thursday yeah and the first time i tried on my kit was on sunday morning because it's a pair of shorts and it's a t-shirt and it's a pair of socks yeah and i've never had a running t-shirt that is any different to any other running t-shirt <laughs> If it was a baggy running t-shirt, I'd wear a baggy running t-shirt. Same with shorts. But the paces were kicking up an absolute stink. They're like saying such people do. I was like, I can't believe we haven't got a kit yet. This is outrageous. And um, the poor people organizing it who were relatively inexperienced were just uh, getting so much pressure from them. And um, oh, I've, I've never known such a bunch of prima donnas where – it almost makes me feel ashamed to be a pacer because it should be something that you're you're really you feel really lucky to do yeah uh, and i i have the sense next year there's going to be a whole especially after the number of people who didn't get that you know come in on, on time because in reality you should be at least 20 minutes quicker than the, the time you're pacing so even in the heat running 20 minutes slower oh your your best should be 20 minutes your your pb I think you should be capable right. at the start line of running 20 minutes quicker. Right. And if you think, you know, I ran a double ultra last weekend and it was still, yeah, the pace was absolutely fun. And Does I, it feel, how, how, um, so how, where's that? That's half an hour off your fastest pace, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I could probably go faster than 244 but let's let, i think let's say at the moment i could do a 241 something like that okay. not in, so not in sunday's weather but so how does that feel to you running that pace that i mean like in like, terms of exertion it's just your training run so when, when you go out and you do your long run it's that feeling and do, but does it hurt in any way at any point or is it just so because you're it's quite slow for you you don't feel it doesn't feel slow it just feels like a normal pace right and and in the same way that you after whenever you do any run that's slightly longer than your normal runs your legs ache yeah same with this you know your legs ache after 22 and you're running a reasonable pace um but yeah i mean if you're a pacer in my head you should be able to run on the day 20 minutes quicker than the time you're pacing yeah and i mean that is hard when you've got three hour paces because you're asking someone you either need someone who's a 225 runner or you're asking someone to train hard enough to run a 240 and not race a 240 that spring essentially but um yeah given the amount of grief they were giving and then the performances on the day and i think next year there's going to be a clean out oh really uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know this at all, but I, I'd assume that. I mean, there, there should be to a certain extent because you should just be grateful for being a pacer and, you know, just accept that you're not the most important aspect of the marathon. Yeah, yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're there to, for, for, for other people's um, other people's achievements, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what you've always got out of it, isn't it? I've always seen like how, how like when you, I, I can't remember where we saw it, how delighted like the people you crossed the line with was it oh, last Brighton. year or something? Oh, Brighton was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Which is why this year was a bit sad because like my last, I had a couple of guys who I picked up who then pushed on as well. But my last three miles, I mean, I I think I picked up the pace a fair bit just because it's like well, 
you know, I'm not, I'm just running now. There's, there's, it doesn't really matter. Like if I went off and did three, six minute miles, it would make no difference other than people would see that I did that and think you've done the wrong thing. Cause there was no one running based on oh. me. I, I wasn't helping anyone in any way. Um, all I was doing was reminding people how far behind the pace they were hoping to get they were. Um, so yeah, it was a weird year. And I, I, I think that, that, that seems to be the case with a lot of paces. Actually, they, they were getting to even 16 miles and just looking around and being like, wow, you know, this has decimated everyone. Yeah. Um, but uh what have you got coming up next week any biggies any new new training planned up for the 100 miler um my training plan is to buy a pair of shoes a week before as usual um i don't know why i keep doing it i really don't it's a disaster um because the thing is i used to have hokers and now everyone keeps telling me that hokers fall apart after 30 miles and so i'm too scared to buy a pair now but i don't know what i'm left with but are people telling you that they now fall apart after 30 miles or that they always fell apart? They now that? fall apart after 30 miles. Oh, no. So they, do you think they've done – I mean, that happened with Innovate, and thankfully Innovate are good again. But, yeah, Innovate were, in my heart, the best trail shoe by a million miles. Then they um, – Fiddled. Changed their supply chain to sell the company at a – making their books look better sold the company and i now think the mother company's realized and the quality's back do you think hocker are doing the same thing kind of reducing the quality with the intention of potentially selling i have no idea i have no idea at all i mean i should really go and buy the thing is it's a difficult one to bet with so many people saying they only last 30 miles to go and buy a pair and you can't tell when you try them on if they're gonna not really um when people say they fall apart literally fall apart to the extent that it will have a negative impact on your race like literally fall apart that's the you know i've like three of like three or four d batters have have said exactly the same thing to me when i've talked about um getting them but that's all that you know i i don't know what to do what should i do what what shoes should i wear why can't someone tell me well i think the trouble is as well if you're used to hawkers then it's such a specific style of shoe that I I no idea what would be the equivalent. Like maybe trying the on shoes. Uh, do they will they last? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. No idea. No idea. Um, well, yeah. So, rated, but. so that's the, that's the situation I'm in at the moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare for this one a little bit better um, before uh, before actually heading out. But yeah, I'm just um, I'm not I'm not gonna do too much between now and now and then. There's not gonna be much much point. And how long have you got until the 100 miler? Uh, two weeks. Oh, boy. I didn't realise it was that soon. Yeah. Okay. Four. And who's, who's your pacer? I've got Lorna Spain. Oh, nice. She'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to give... I, I'm hoping that I'm not going to be the same space I was last time. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said to me at the weekend, <clears throat> he goes... Um, you were struggling a bit on the last 100 miler. And I'm like, well, I don't know you say that. I'm like, I'm stone lighter now. Well, I want to do it. He goes, mm, I don't mean like that. I mean, like, mentally struggling. Like, you were in a dark place. <laughs> I think you were. Well, I was. I was. Yeah. I was. I don't know why. I don't know why it was. Like, when Lee, when he got to that point, 
Lee basically had to put everything back in the box um, when he met me at 70 miles. Like, literally, everything had gone out. I think I think we talk about this whenever in the uh, Jody runs a hundred miles um, uh, podcast episode, but it was yeah just to just to recap, this podcast was going out the window. Every single race I was going to do for the rest of the year was going to go out the window. I was never going to run again. It was it was I was I was literally smashing stuff up in my life. Um, do you what, think Lauren's prepared for that? Pardon? Do you think Lorna's prepared for that? I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure it'll be the same. I don't know. I don't think it'll be like. I don't think it'll be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, I think she's gonna get some advice from uh, from. Actually, she should get advice from you about pacing me. When, when you pace me, that was a very successful pacing. I wasn't in a bad place at all. I don't think. No, I mean, but I kept trying it, to make bad decisions. Um, I think it might have been because we met earlier. Yeah. We met at a lovely time. It was, what, 60, 66 miles? 69. 69 <laughs> miles. The sun was still out. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it was a nice time, wasn't it? Straight into a feed station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I, I just, I think, because when did Lee meet you? Lee met me. It was, it was a 70 mile, for some reason, the 70 mile mark, it was, it was like dark. I don't, I think it starts a bit later, the, um, mm. Thames path but um yeah it was a uh, it was about the 70 mile mark and yeah it was dark in both the location and my mind um and he said well, so you're suffered. running your running was um you know you were doing you're running the pace you wanted to run you were you were succeeding when i was pacing you yes. like, before like when i met you yes, you were in I a was. good place I in was. terms of your running and i backed off didn't i that was the thing and then yeah, yeah that was that that was it i could have done 24 in that I should have done 24 then shouldn't i but then i didn't know whether i'd ever complete 100 that was the thing yeah i can understand why you didn't want to risk it yeah but no um so yeah so lorna she's going to be my uh, she's going to help me cross the line um and uh, yeah we'll see how that goes what about you what have you got coming up relaxing yeah well just uh, it's it's weird because i've been doing these races and you know i've had london so i didn't train hard on saturday had the ultra ran to brighton so actually i've not while i've been doing considerable mileage in those weeks like 70 80 miles i really need to be doing 100 miles from now in so from now on so oh, actually really? okay yeah, just because for comrades, um, I'm doing just a, kind of the lower end of, of getting away with it, Miles. So I think I'm going to be pretty boring in the next month. And it's my birthday coming up, a few other things. But I, I still need – I think I'm going to be doing 100-mile weeks at least for four of them. Yeah. Um, with building up to kind of 56-mile weekends, maybe a bit more. So, yeah, yeah it's – it's going to be, I mean, but I don't mind that. I'm, I, f- I feel physically ready for it. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to be running, running long a lot. Um, races though, potentially doing Red Bull rings for life. What's just that? Got, it's the, it's where you race the car. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So just being offered an entry to that figure. I'm doing a long run. Might as well do that. Going to go to dirty weekend again. Oh yeah. And, um, film those guys and potentially do a second lap just to get the mileage up uh beer lovers oh, but then 
doing a marathon the day before beer lovers going to do a few miles in the morning before beer lovers so that's the thing i've got a lot on but i'm still going to be needing to do almost oh, a marathon oh, you saying you're going to do a marathon the day before beer lovers yeah yeah in brussels. On the yeah gonna have to do it in brussels and then probably do four miles before beer lovers and then do beer lovers so i've got 30 yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard weekend that's gonna be a hard weekend especially on the friday night after the friday night oh <laughs> yeah i mean it depends on how what time i book the train across to liege but uh yeah i mean that's the thing i can go out and i can bang out a you know 330 marathon without it being too much effort so you know i can still have a night out hopefully we'll see though we'll see it's gonna be it's gonna be draining but uh yeah um veteran as of next week oh yeah so uh bring on the races and bring on the uh the vet prizes potentially oh wow man you're so old i know so much younger than you i can't believe it yeah no one will ever be able to tell that with the snapper i know i know but um, before we go, have you, and, and listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, look at the Pete's edit for the Rat Race Aaron Ultra. Oh, it looks good, doesn't it? It looks really it's, good. It's amazing. I love, um, uh, I love how Claire goes into the water. Brilliant. Just absolutely. There's no reaction to it that makes that the best, though. <laughs> Uh, I've sent it to her mum and her brother. I don't think she realises that yet. <laughs> but yeah, watch that advert. Um, it's incredible. It's, just, um, it's on Rat Race Adventure Sports as their latest post. Um, but yeah, a lot to look forward to. It's exciting times, my friend. Exciting times. Indeed, indeed. Well, I'll get on to, um, to Mr. Dark. Start liaising about the details of the new challenge. Yeah, let's do it. Head and you get head. into those shopping, uh, those shoe shops, figure yeah. something out. I know. I'll have to, yeah, actually, well, I'm annoyed that I have to buy them. Um, but, yeah. Maybe we can make that into a podcast. Jody <laughs> goes shoe shopping. Well, suggest it. Suggest it to Hawkers. They'll give you a free pair. But um, if you've enjoyed today and you've listened to the, listening for the first time, then uh, some topics we talked about, you could speak, listen to Ralu's episode a couple of weeks ago where we talk about the changing of media from uh, magazines to online and the pressures and also the changing content and how bloggers are coming into that. Um, if you wanted to hear more about uh, Jodie's 100 miler, that's a great episode. I think it's just called Jodie Runs 100 Miler. Jodie Runs 100 Miles. We kept it simple, that one. Other ultra run, uh, running ones, There's uh, we've got a brilliant one with John, the winner of Barkley Marathons. We've got uh, Robbie Britton, the 100 mile British uh Team Britain, uh, I think, came third in the world, 100 miler. We've got Dean Carnassus, the most famous ultra run in the world. Um, oh, and- oh, let me tell you. And also, Lowry Morgan. So, yes. right, Lowry Morgan, this is really interesting. So my daughter's got, um, have you seen those books which are uh, bedtime stories for rebel girls? No, but I love this. Love the title. It is the bed. But what's it called? Uh, what's it? Good night story. Bedtime stories for rebel girls and stuff. And they have all mm. these like uh, like amazing women in them. Um, yes. Yeah. Larry Morgan's in one of them. Fantastic. What, yeah. Which anything in particular, like thirty-three, sixty-six, or well, just known as like a, a like an adventurer. 
just a general all round badass. badass. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so a, Larry, that's a great one to listen to. Yeah, Larry's in there. She's talking about the Jungle Ultra. She's talking about the, I think it's the 3366 or the 6633. 633. Which is a um, self-sufficient um, crossing of one of the poles, uh, which is just so insanely hard, uh, which I believe she won. Um, and if you like your humorous stuff, yeah, you're on the wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. But you can email us letters at badboyrunning.com. As we said when we introduced Mark Dumrunner, um, is if you want us to interview someone, if there's a particular topic, a particular person, get in the Facebook group and suggest them. We'll go out there, we'll get them, and we'll get them on the show. So, uh, all ideas and feedback welcome. Cheers, man. Well, I'll see you next week. Definitely. Cheers, buddy. Bye, 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 b